growing up as a dancer, music's mm. always been something that's kind of always been um, informing mm-hmm. how I'm going to move. Um, so whether it's in a dance class or performing on stage, the music is there. If I'm working out, chances are there's music there trying to help me power up the hill, yeah. for example, or whatever. Um, so music's always been uh, a really guiding force, I yeah. guess, in my workouts. Um, and I think that for me now, mm-hmm. we have to be careful yeah. <laughs> with the music. And yeah. it can't be the overarching theme. You forget what it is, why it is that you're doing what you're doing because the music is so loud. Right. <laughs> have you ever considered the impact that music actually has during your workouts? Perhaps you're out for a run with your headphones plugged in and you crank up that ACDC to get you through those final few kilometers. Maybe you're in the gym and you're mentally preparing yourself for your top set so you find your EDM power song and turn it way up. Or you've got your new Beats headphones on and you play your favorite throwback hip-hop playlist and reminisce on your clubbing days when you could not only hear but feel the bass pumping through those speakers. You may even be in a spin class and you're getting in the zone and rhythm with the music cranked up. All these scenarios, I'm sure, are daily occurrences in the fitness world. The question is, have we considered that the constant exposure to louder music can actually potentially damage your hearing permanently? If you're working out multiple times a week, or maybe you're a spin instructor or group fitness coach and you're exposed to loud music for several hours a day. Today, we're going to explore just how potentially permanently damaging the volume of the music we listen to can actually be. Welcome to the Fit United radio and podcast, where each episode we aim to bring you fresh, relevant fitness and health-related news, content, and interviews to help you reach new heights and ultimately become your best and fittest selves. All right, guys, in three, two, and one, let's go. Okay, guys, I'm very honored and proud to introduce you to today's guest. Her name is Jessica Bowman. She's a coach at Orange Theory and an instructor at Club Pilates. She's an endurance and multi-sport athlete and has completed a half Ironman, three Olympic and four sprint triathlons. She's also done the Orange Theory Dry Tribe. She has counted, guys, 15 half marathons uh, under her belt. She's also done the Ride to Conquer Cancer four times. That's an event that's very close to me as well. We're going to talk about the influence of dance and music growing up, how those two things have shaped who she is and what she does now. We also talk in depth about the permanent hearing loss Jess has experienced over time and how devastating this has been because of her deep relationship with music. She also shares how she feels we can all benefit from doing some introspective work and reflect on what it is we really love about exercise, the role of music, and how it has become such a big part of our fitness journeys, and how we can mitigate the potentially permanently damaging effects of exposure to loud music. I want to say thank you to this episode's sponsor, FitTrack. FitTrack is a health app company that is disrupting the health and fitness industry right now. With their smart scale and smart watch, they provide you with personalized information that is essential to helping you achieve your fitness goals. 
Now I get it, as a personal trainer, I know a scale can only tell you so much, and just looking at your weight is not the best indicator of your health. But the FitTrack Dara scale is different. Using advanced dual bioimpedance analysis technology, you are able to track 17 metrics that help you get a better understanding of your body's composition. Syncing it with the FitTrack app, the FitTrack Dara scale tracks measurements such as muscle mass, fat mass, bone mass, even your hydration levels, and you can see your progress over time. The scale even syncs up to Apple Health and Google Fit. Another great feature is that you're able to create multiple users so that you and your family members can share the scale and track your own individual progress. Now, how cool is that? Now, this scale even has infant mode, all right? As your little one grows, you can track and monitor their health as well. My son Cruz is now nine months old, and in his first few weeks, he wasn't gaining the amount of weight as fast as we would have liked. Now, this would have been much easier to track if we had the FitTrack Dare scale at home. FitTrack also has a wearable smartwatch called the Atria Tracker. It's got everything you need and nothing you don't. As a smartwatch, of course, you can receive call and message notifications, but the Atria Tracker is an all-day wearable that tracks your activity, heart rate, and seven different sport modes depending on the activity you are participating in. You can change music from the watch while you're on a run. You can even use it to take control of your camera and take that all-important selfie. It even monitors your quality of sleep. Now, on top of all of these features, here's the best one. It has a seven-plus day battery life. Now, a week without charging will, will really allow you to track your activity and sleep uninterrupted. Now, having the FitTrack Dara Scale and a Tria smartwatch is like having a one-two combo in helping you achieve your health goals. What makes the FitTrack products different than the rest is the impressive quality of the products for such an affordable price point. FitTrack believes in their scale and watch so much that they have a 30-day risk-free trial period. So if you decide FitTrack isn't for you, you can get a full refund, no questions asked. They even cover the scale and watch with an optional lifetime warranty. So that means no worries for you. All right, so how can you get your hands on the FitTrack scale and smartwatch? I'll have a link you can use, which I'll put for you guys in the show notes. Right now, using the link, you can save up to over 60% off the regular price. And if you use the code NEWME20, you can get an extra 20% off. You also get free shipping on your orders for a limited time. Make sure, guys, you take advantage of this sweet deal of over 60% off the Dara Scale and Atria Tracker and free shipping. Just click on the link to the FitTrack site in the show notes. All right, guys, let's jump into this interview now. Jess is such a kind heart, and you'll sense that right away once you hear her speak. I appreciate her so much for sharing her story, and I appreciate her passion around everything we're going to talk about today. So without further ado, here is my interview with my good friend, Jessica Bowman. All right, everybody, welcome to the Fit United podcast. My name is Kevin. I've got my guest, Jess Bowman, in the house. How are you, Jess? 
I'm good. How I'm, are you? I'm good. I'm so happy that you're here. We were just chatting beforehand. I told you all the reasons why I'm happy that you're here, but I'm happy you're here. So thank you for coming today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so I want I like telling everybody how um, myself and a guest met. So you and I met um, at Orange Theory, uh, where um, I was just recently, most recently a coach. You are still a coach there, um, but we met when you were still just a member at the time, if yes. you remember, yep. um, and you would uh, come do some of my classes, and it's so cool to see you now as a coach. Knowing kind of your fitness background leading up to you, know, you becoming a coach. So really cool. Um, and you are now also an instructor at Club Pilates, uh, which you've been, you've been doing that for how long now? It's, we actually surpassed a year in that's November. Wild. So just over a year. Okay, that's what I thought. It was about a year now. Yeah. That's crazy. That's awesome. And obviously you're loving it there so far. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, the community there is wonderful, mm. whether it's the team that I work with or the members that go there, and plus what we what we do there. Yeah, I feel yeah. super passionate about Oh, so. man, that's so cool. Again, I want to get into that a little bit later yeah, sure. because there was a question that I wanted to ask you, like someone off the street, what is Pilates? I want you to answer that yeah. for me, okay? Um, but what I want to start with first is how this all began for you, how life all began. Who um, in your life would you say has been the most influential? So when you sent me the list of questions, <laughs> I, I was thinking, oh, yeah. how can I single out one person? Because mm. there's been so many. Right. And at the risk of sounding cliche, I really do feel like both of my parents mm. have been super influential in my life, but for totally different reasons. Okay. So my mom came to Canada as a child. Okay. And what she experienced was kind of passed down to to me and, and my siblings and that value of working hard and never giving mm. up and don't letting obstacles get in your way. So I come from a very, uh, a family of strong women. Okay. And so I think that's very valuable, Absolutely. especially in today's uh, day and age. Mm -hmm. So, um, and my dad, he he's always been really big on the power of positivity, positivity and really um, being positive no matter what. Mm getting curious, having fun, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's been, I feel like the, the, those two messages, if you will, yeah. influences have been really big. And really I know you big. say, and I know you say it's cliche, but that's totally okay. There's a reason why they're your parents. Yeah. They should be the biggest influence in your life. I think anyway, as a parent now, I feel yeah. like I hope that I become a, you know, a, a decent influence on, on my son. Um, where did you say your mom came from though? You said she, she from Guyana. Guyana, what? Really? Yeah. yeah. So what is your background then? What is your family nationality and background? What is that? It's kind of a little bit yeah, of everything. a toss salad. <laughs> <laughs> but on my mom's side, um, it's Guyanese. Okay. So there, it's a small little country just north of Brazil okay. in uh, South America. And my dad's side really is a mixed bag. What's okay. interesting yeah. is that we literally know very little, if anything, about his mother's background oh, okay. she doesn't know anything oh really no so okay. um so you really don't know <laughs> you couldn't <laughs> really say don't for know for sure yeah it's it's like his his dad is is a mixture of english and scottish and we know that his mom is german because she's fluent in german oh, okay gotcha. but, but we don't know i think her father's from hungary but we don't know mm -hmm. anything about her maternal like she had a stepmother but we don't know anything about her i see mother. i see because bowman is a very i don't even know what to say but it's a very caucasian kind of you know common yeah. last name yeah um it doesn't really indicate uh kind of your lineage anyway yeah <laughs> it doesn't really help yeah no not at all <laughs> but i'm sure you know anyone will tell you just talk to me for a few minutes and the Guyanese spice comes oh, out. Oh, so. no way. There you go. So that's where it comes from. That's right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So where did you grow up then, I guess? Did you grow up out here? 
No, I'm from Ontario. You are from Ontario, uh, okay. Yeah, so um, my parents split when I was quite young. Okay. So my mom, we lived in a small town. At the time, it was a small town called Waterloo. Mm-hmm. And my dad... Blackberry. <laughs> great October. <laughs> October fest there. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and my dad lived in downtown Toronto. So it was really nice because we kind of got the juxtaposition of big city living. Mm. Seeing Madonna from my dad's balcony when I was eight years old. Wild. Versus small town living where... Everyone knows each other. It's very community-based out there. Right. So you so. kind of got a nice experience of both. That's really cool, actually. Yeah. I think I couldn't say that I've ever had that. Uh, I mean, I grew up in the Philippines, but I kind of lived always in the city for the most part. I mean, suburbs, Surrey, but it's still a big city type yeah. thing, right? Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. really cool. Uh, so when you were in, when did you move over to uh, Vancouver, I guess? Six years ago. Oh, wow. So you're like a relatively, relatively new transplant. That's that's new. I think so. I think so. I mean, for someone who's grown up here and lived here all for my sure, life, for right? sure, for sure. I feel like six years. Oh my goodness, that's so. That's that's a long time. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. So, yeah. uh, do you are you do you ever still go back? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I usually go back every every holiday season. We go oh, okay, back. Okay, okay. Um, but depending on like family events and like mm-hmm. weddings and whatnot, okay. usually go back at least one at a time. Would you say most of your family is still back there then? Family, friends? Most yeah. of them. Um, I do have, like, my brothers in Calgary, but then I do got, have some family that are scattered throughout the U.S., gotcha. but my parents are there, my grandma is there, okay. my sister is there. All so that. all, like, the, you know, immediate family and all that pr- primarily are there. Um, I'd like to ask, especially now knowing that you grew up in Ontario, uh, what kind of things did you do in Ontario? Like, sports growing up? You mentioned that you were into dance for quite a while, and that was a big part of your life. Tell me about that. So... I think it was kind of like a rite of passage for all of the girls in my family, like my extended family, to put them in ballet. Because how much fun (laughs) is it to see a bunch of little humans stand on the stage and dance around yeah, and and not know what they're doing? (laughs) So (laughs) that's really funny. I grew up from there, what probably started as something like, oh, that's really cute. It it turned into a huge passion. So. Um, I played sports and whatnot in high school, and mm. I always liked being active and mm-hmm. playing sports, but dance was something that just captured my heart right from the get-go. Okay. Now, my sister went through ballet, and she got to the point where she was on point. <laughs> wow. Um, which is, I think, is kind of the level that any ballerina growing up wants to get to and excel from there. So can you tell me about your progression in ballet and dance and w- kind of where it took you? So... Ballet was something that I only did because it made you better at everything else, Ah, but it wasn't my favorite. I see. I did go up on point, and I was like, this just isn't for me. It sucks. (laughs) Look at what happens to your feet. I I just felt for me, and maybe this speaks to the way that I am now, sometimes I have a hard time with rules, Mm. (laughs) And, and ballet was very... It was very structured, mm. and I liked that. But sometimes I don't always fit the mold. Right. And so I felt like things, I believe that it's called contemporary now. Mm, um, okay. But modern dance, I love modern mm. dance because there are, there really are no rules. It's about moving your body. There are certain fundamentals like, like balance and moving with con- control and precision and things mm. like that. So anyway, so I did ballet, but then when I had an opportunity to take jazz when I was about six or seven, my mom put me into that because, oh, something for her to do <clears throat> and I, I ended up loving it okay. and the expression and the and it turned into this real love of like just funk and hip-hop and how so the music yeah oh. the music was and and the beat spoke to me so right. 
So I ended up competing. I started competing when I was about 13 years old, um, mostly in small groups. And the older I got, I did like solos and whatnot. And then I ended up auditioning, applying for, and getting into the Bachelor of Fine Arts program at York University. Wow. Yeah, so I did, I did two years there, and it was there that I think at that time, mm. there was this interesting thing going on in the dance world where it was not accepting people's different body types and whatnot. And there, there felt like there was a little bit of extinguishing of flames of passions going on at that point. Mm-hmm. And I had had a certain, a certain incidents like that growing up. And I felt that when I got to my second year that it was time for me to kind of switch gears and move I on. I see, I see. So you talk about fitting the mold. I didn't feel like I was fitting the mold anymore. Right, Even right. in these wide open genres of possibility, I still felt right. like... Maybe I don't fit here. Right. This is really unfortunate. And I think it starts, unfortunately, even from a younger level. And perhaps you experienced it even when you were younger. But, you know, because your passion probably pushed you to the level that you got to even dancing in university. But um, it's really unfortunate to see and to hear uh, that there's this uh, so-called extinguishing of flames and passion because that's the age when you are, I think, the most passionate about pursuing things that don't fit the mold. Totally. Um, these are formative years when you've got nothing but, you know, the rest of your lives ahead of you. And for those things to just be kind of squashed like a, like a little like a little light, uh, you know what, you know, this isn't for you. I think that's terrible. I think that's, uh, you know, undermining your, your openness, your open-mindedness, everyone, as, as when they're young, you know, so. There was um, a show, which I think might still be on, So You Think You Can Dance. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And there was a girl named Danielle. And I can't remember how far Danielle got, but I think she got within the, f- the top five. Okay. And she was not your typical body type. But, oh my goodness, what a beautiful dancer. And mm. I remember feeling like I was born in the wrong era. Because oh if gosh. I had girls like Danielle, like being 16 years old, this, this actually happened, being 16 years old and, and my dance teacher saying, you have so much talent, mm-hmm. I'm going to make you a star, but you're way too big and you need to lose weight. But if I had girls like Danielle right. to look up to, then I could be like, no, I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm going to just crush this. Yeah. I got this. Oh, man. Yeah. So, I mean, all that to say is I think that the positive to take from that now mm-hmm. is that I think enough of us have had that experience yeah. that girls like Danielle are coming in and we're supporting them and we're lifting them up. And so I think, I think that's changing. That's awesome. And I think that's what's so important. And you're right. I feel like this is coming in a little bit too late because there's been so many people like you that have gone through the process and have been like weeded out, so to speak, because of certain things that it should not have been a limiting factor. Right. Right. It's not, it wasn't based on your ability to dance perhaps, which is really unfortunate. Yeah. That's too bad. But I mean, obviously uh, it led you to do other things as well. Um, dance, was a very passionate thing of yours. Um, do you still dance now even just recreationally or? In my living room. In your living room. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> but I will say that yeah. if I could go back, sure, I'd be curious about what would have happened yeah. if what happened didn't pan out that way. Right. But if I can't go back and I can look back and I can say, I'm glad that that happened because it's because of all of that that I even got into fitness, period. Right. And I even got to the point where I'm at now where dance, even though I'm not going to the studio every day, it's still such a big 
part of my life. Yeah, that's and it really, really cool. informs to how I teach, especially in Pilates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's actually really cool. And I get I get a little bit of chills thinking about it because <laughs> when you have identified what those passions are. Um, Let's say, for example, you know, life takes you a different path and you move on and you, you're doing other things and then you go back to that. Like, let's say you step on that dance floor and then the music starts and then all of a sudden everything is just shut off and you're just in the zone. You know, the, I'm sure you've had that feeling many times. I totally get that feeling. Yeah. You know, when I'm like watching it, well, you know, at a football game or even just stepping into the studio and coaching people, like that stuff gets me so fired up. Yep. And I think you get a little bit of that every time that you're in a studio. Totally. It's that <laughs> moving of your body and yeah. kind of sharing that with people, um, getting them excited yeah. to move their body and right. to experience how awesome the, the adrenaline, the, and not even necessarily doing like high intensity workout, but how awesome does it feel to fully extend your leg right from right, the center? Right. How much length can you get? Get yeah. curious about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Because guess what? Not everyone can do that. Let's work on that. Let's see. Ah, yeah. oh, that's so cool. Um, I've actually never, I didn't know that you had such a big dance background up, up until, you know, yeah. kind of chatting about it today. But obviously it's led you to such an active lifestyle. Now, would you say then um, that, what you're doing now is really just because of how active you were in dance and all that stuff prior to? I would say that sitting idle mm. is not something that I'm very comfortable with. I, <laughs> I have a hard time relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, I, for example, mm. I'm a big reader and mm. I love reading books. But I can only do it for so long, and then I got to get up and start <laughs> yeah. walking around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, That's so funny. yeah, dance certainly um, kind of encouraged me. It became a part of me, and in, in terms of, I'm always going to move my body yeah. in one way or another, whatever right. whatever that happens to be. Mm -hmm. So, um, Michael, what the question that I, that comes from that that I want to ask you is then, how has it been the transition from you doing? the things like let's do doing the class or uh you know dancing in a studio uh to now uh sharing that knowledge as a coach or as an instructor um having that dance background even just how descriptive you were like extending your leg and seeing how <laughs> how that feels I, i'm literally extending my leg right now but but it's great you, extension yeah. by the way. <laughs> i'm still working on it. my mobility is uh, you know lacking lately but point is being able to come from that perspective, I think would have been so valuable even for me as an athlete, mm -hmm. right? Playing football and stuff. There's a lot of football players that do ballet for that reason, balance training and all that stuff. It's just dance in general. But how has that influenced how you instruct? So I feel like dance is just another form of expression. Mm. And for me, what's been really amazing is as I... Zumba, we're not speaking. We don't have a mic. Mm -hmm. So it's been... That, that was... For me, that was just an extension of what I was already doing. Mm, but okay. then when I start do, started doing things like indoor cycling and I started doing Orange Theory and now Pilates, it's, it's how do I articulate what, I, what it is that I'm feeling inside. So, so I'm very much a, a doer. So when I'm demonstrating something or I'm asking someone to do something, mm -hmm. whether it's a personal training session or in a Pilates class, I often find I am, right now <laughs> I'm gesturing. Yeah. <laughs> I am moving yeah. because I, it kind of moving my body allows me to articulate what it is that I right. want you to experience in your body or want you to kind of move in this way. Um, and so I've, I'm rambling, no, but, I, but I just, I just, <laughs> find, <laughs> I just find that having that ability, that body awareness, yeah. that 
internal fire, if you will, for me, it's really enabled me to kind of translate that into moving and moving safely. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a big thing and making sure that we've got the alignment and we've got the core, we're Mm -hmm. centered. And then everything else can go buck wild from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's great that you explain it that way, really, because you're expressive. You 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 know express with your hands and and uh, the way you speak. Uh, I think that uh, helps a lot, especially with people who are not used to moving, mm-hmm. because uh, body awareness. I think what you said earlier, uh, they don't know. Let's say a, just a distinction between a squat and a hinge. Um, certain people just don't know how to move their bodies in such a way that there's a very distinct difference between the two. But for you to be expressive, I think that helps visually for people watching, but also hearing it, I think doing both. And I, and I feel like had I ever taken a dance class, I probably wouldn't, would be much better at articulating exactly what it is. Cause there's a lot of times when I feel like, how do I explain that? But yeah. I feel like you, your, your background in dance has helped a lot in doing that. Because you feel it. Yeah. Like you feel it. When you, when, you, when you sit down in the squat, you can physically feel that. And so how do you, how do you articulate that? Yeah, so right, well, first right. I have to do it. <laughs> show you. Yeah, yeah. So how has dance then um, now led you into doing other types of uh, physical activity? So we were talking about this earlier and this I know about you. I could scroll down as far as I could go on your Instagram feed. And it's either you're on a bike, uh, you've got a medal for doing an event, uh, you and your partner Russ, uh, you guys are both very active people. And so as far as I could really scroll until I was like, okay, that's all the same. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you're so active all the time. Um, and so how it has, uh, has you know, your, your past, you know, dancing and things, how has it led into you doing endurance events like marathons and triathlons and things? Uh, the thing that I like about endurance mm-hmm. sports, specifically triathlon, it's, it's about the journey. It's, mm. it's not really about the end goal which is something that I need to remind myself of often. It's, it's a great metaphor for life. Yeah. <laughs> it's about the, desti- the journey, not necessarily destination. Yeah. So I find that with dancing, that the everyday, the practicing, the, the, the work that you put in every day, mm-hmm. um, that's, where, that's where the juicy parts are. Right. So when you look at things like training for half marathon or half Ironman or full or, or whatever, 10K race, it's about small daily acts that you do every day to get you there. So I feel like going into the studio and taking classes is the equivalent of now going to the pool and then mm. hopping on the bike or going for a run. So it's kind of dancing kind of like laid the foundation for me to be moving every day I see. in some way, committing myself to that lifestyle. Understanding that diligence. And when, as you were speaking, I was thinking of uh, a a quote that, uh, from co- the late Kobe Bryant um, when he, he had a speech from, I think, his uh, honoring of retiring his numbers. And he was saying to people, it's like, you know, all the day in, day out hard work that you put in to achieve your goal, to get to that journey or to that destination, um, and to get to that dream, to achieve that dream. But all of that daily hard work is actually the dream. All those late nights or all the pushing hard and all that, that is the dream. Think about the journey as what it is that you're learning so much from and you have so much to take away from life. And I think that's kind of how I feel like you feel with these kind of things. I do because it's, that's, where you, that's where you learn the lessons. Yeah. That's where you grow. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can cross that finish line, but it's everything that you did to get there. Right. And to me, I think that's where the magic is yeah. in the everyday. Now, uh, we talked about the different events you did. You did... You did some triathlons. You've done some triathlons now. You've done uh, half Ironman. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, you've done tw- two to three, 23, two to three <laughs> Olympic distance <laughs> um, triathlons. You've done uh, three to four sprints. You've done a dry triad orange. And you've done about 15 half marathons now. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a lot of mileage on your body. Mm-hmm. Um, so the question for you there is, uh, there's a lot of preparation that goes into it. That I know for sure. Has there ever been an event where you feel like at the end of it, you cross the finish line, I wish that I had done this more? Like, do you feel that way at the end? How do you feel? Because I'm just trying to picture myself, putting myself at the end of, you know, finishing a marathon, for example. And the first thing I would think of is, and this is maybe a me thing, this is definitely a me thing, um, man, I wish I had done more of this. Maybe it wouldn't have hurt so much or it wouldn't have been so hard. Do you feel that way? I feel like those kinds of um, thoughts and feelings, Mm -hmm. I have now. Mm, not necessarily in the moment I, I have them now because I feel like I know so much more okay. I know the value of recovery <laughs> <laughs> yes you know huge I know the value of recovery and resting I know the value of mobility mm. and, and doing your foam rolling and your myofascial release I know the value of stretching I know the value of core work mm-hmm. so I feel like now I wish I would have done that I more. And, and I'm not going to kick myself in the butt about that because 2020 vision is... Of course. Hindsight, hindsight is 2020. Is 2020. Yeah, exactly. It. So it's like this year, 2020, I'm blown the roof off. <laughs> so I know... You guys heard that now. Yeah. I know now what I need to do now. Gotcha. So that by the time I cross two very big finish lines this year, mm. I know what I need to do. Okay. So I feel like... Yeah, I wish I would have known that then. I wish I would have maybe prepared more for certain half marathons and maybe I wouldn't have had IT band feeling like someone had just like poured kerosene a little match <laughs> on it. But Oh, that doesn't sound fun. No. <laughs> but I mean, but now now I have the knowledge. So now right. I can move forward. Okay. Um, so yeah. Would you say progressively then as you've participated, you've improved uh, maybe one aspect of your running or swimming or, or cycling to the point that you felt like you've made you know, steady progress or have there been you know, peaks and valleys in your, in your events that you've tra- participated I would, in? I would say that no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say that it's, it's, it's always going to be a challenge mm-hmm. for me. My mm-hmm. biggest thing is not necessarily the physical part of it, it's the mental part I of it. I see, okay. It's the believing that I'm capable of that. Mm. So that is something that I think is getting better because I've, I've done a half Ironman. Yeah. I know I can do that. Yeah, right. I've done a half marathon. I know I can do that. So it's, it's, it's the mental thing that gotcha. for me has certainly gotten better. Okay. I think the physical uh, execution, swimming, running, and biking, I'm never going to make any Canadian Olympic team in mm. any of those things. I'm just going to do the best with what I can do. I see. But the mental aspect for me has gotten exponentially better from when wow. I started. Okay. Yeah. Let, let's talk about that a little bit if, if, if you're all right with that, because I feel like, and I've asked other people who have done extreme things with their bodies and that, and I asked specifically what was harder, the physical part or the mental part? And I feel like you're, you're already shaking your head. It's the mental part. So tell me, how do you prepare for, let's say, a half iron or a half iron man? Yeah, uh, mentally versus the physical part that we can anyone can do. Not anybody can do, but there's probably a template for that, mm-hmm. right? Whereas the mental part, it's all you. So how, what kind of work do you do in order to prepare yourself mentally for a big event? Um, and I, I say this. Mm-hmm. Knowing that I still have lots of work to do. <laughs> so, so 
making sure that you're get, you're resting mm. because gotcha. we all know if you get four hours of sleep the next day mm-hmm. the things that you think of yeah. <laughs> you probably wouldn't be going there the mind frame the mm. mindset the perspective if you were well rested i see you would be in a better frame of mind mo- generally speaking right to handle whatever the task is of the day gotcha so so my one of my my goals for this year is to making sure that I'm getting sleep gotcha. and that I'm resting and I'm recovering. Okay. Mindfulness, mm-hmm. huge. What is mindfulness to you? Mindfulness is being present in the moment, being aware of your breath, being mindful, for lack of a better word, of of your immediate surroundings. Okay. So being very present, not necessarily worrying about what happened five minutes ago or worrying about what could potentially happen in five minutes from mm, now. In the moment. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Mindfulness is a big, uh, almost like a uh, catchphrase or whatever, what's the term now? Like, uh, you know, it's a big term that everyone throws around. Oh, I'm super mindful today. I'm like, okay, do you even really know what that means? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, there's a meme, I think people will say, like, you know, you, you, you did a Calm app for five minutes and I'm like missing the mindful guru <laughs> of the world. I'm like, that's, I don't think that's what it is. It really isn't. Um, so being mindful is being present, you would say. And how has that helped you in terms of your preparation for something like that being mindful so today Mm -hmm. i'm gonna run 5k Mm. yeah i know i gotta run 21 kilometers after biking 90 kilometers and swimming too Mm. but today i see i'm gonna do my 5k gotcha and i'm gonna do it well Mm -hmm. with whatever i've got in me today Mm -hmm. or i'm going to plan out my week and i know that i'm only gonna worry about these six or seven workouts that I'm doing mm-hmm. and I'm not going to get cut up in week eight when I'm doing a brick <laughs> Yeah, yeah. where a brick training, a brick workout is when you do generally a bike and then a run mm-hmm. or you do two of the sports back to back. Right. I'm not going to worry about how destroyed I'm going to feel at the end of that brick. I'm gotcha. going to worry about what I got to do today, today or what my weekly tasks are, right. um, weekly workouts are. Yeah, no, I love that, I think. And th- that applies to literally everything in yes. life, right? Which is amazing is that if you're mindful enough or we practice this mindfulness that be present today, know what you need to do today and not worry about, like you said, what's coming up in week eight because you know what you do today. And if you do it with everything that you've got, week eight, you know that you're going to be there. Yeah. So focus on today. I love that. I love that. And yeah. I think a lot of us, even me, I need to remind myself about that because I'm always thinking forward. What's next? What's next? And now when I throw family into the mix, you know, having a baby boy, now you think, what's next? What's next? And I found myself looking almost too far ahead and, and then kind of having to scale it back. Like, okay, well, what do I got to do today to make tomorrow and the next week and the next month um, better, if right. that makes sense. So I love that. I feel like it's kind of interesting because there is that element, um, especially as a parent, of, of planning ahead to make mm-hmm. sure you're prepared. Yeah. Right. And, and I think the way that I kind of look at it is I'm going to prepare, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to get caught up mm. in the worrying about what if this happens, what if this happens? And I say I try because it, 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 every day it is a battle <laughs> yeah, of yeah. like being, be here, be now. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, it's so easy to say the what ifs. And then yep. it's funny, and the, the habit of worrying, uh, I think people say anxiety is the habit of worrying. So just let's work on that habit. But uh, the saying what ifs is very, um, uh, what's the word, um, paralyzing, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like, but you're worrying about things that may not happen, Right. 
And I and I and I've had to, and again I've had this challenge myself because it's like you try to prepare yourself for the what ifs, but also you might be worrying about something that may not even happen. So why don't you give yourself a little bit of credit or relax? You know what I'm saying? And yeah. and I will give you the flip side of that because yeah. I read Chris Hadfield's book. Oh yeah, of an course. Astronaut's Guide to Life on Earth, and one of the chapters <laughs> is sweat the small stuff. Mm. So what one thing that's really interesting, maybe it's this is how I justify my worrying habit, <laughs> but. <laughs> One of the things that he he mentioned that they do when they're preparing to go into space uh-huh. is it's all about the what ifs. What if this happens? Uh, and then we're going to practice this. Of course. And then what if this happens? Then we're going to practice this. So I think that I think that there's an element of like acknowledging that things could go sideways. Yeah, 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 yeah. And knowing that you can handle it yeah. because you've gotten this far. I see. Right? So I think that there's value for sure mm. in, in being prepared, but like you said, not letting that paralyze you and yeah. being like, that may not even happen. So I'm just going to go with the information I have right here. Right, right. You know, I love that flip side, actually. I'm, I'm glad that you brought up yeah. that, that analogy and from that book. I've actually never read it. My brother-in-law has it. But um, especially for something like space travel, you have to account for literally every variable. You have no choice yeah. because you're out there and you're on your own. You got to do that. So I think being thoughtful as well as being mindful is mm-hmm. kind of a big balance. Yeah. That's a really cool point. Now, um, let's go back a little bit to now multi-sport events and things. Um, I've never done with myself. I mean, it's in the bucket list of things to do. Um, and hopefully it's not too far down the road. Um, certain other priorities now, but what would you say to someone who's thinking about participating in a multi-sport event for the first time do it (laughs) (laughs) nike just do it sign up yes (laughs) um but i think i think for me it helped starting with a shorter distance Mm, uh so the try a try which i look back at the pictures actually preparing for the (laughs) interview this today's interview just to remember i had no idea what i was doing i didn't even have a bathing suit i was like wearing like a lululemon tights and top yeah yeah, yeah. in the water like (laughs) so anyway so it's it's starting small for Mm. me it has been valuable to start small so you can get an idea of how how it feels to do all of these things consecutively and how you transition between Ah, each of them okay and then the more distance you start tacking on, then you start learning about, hey, I have to eat when I'm riding. How do I, I see. How do I manage that? Um, how do I manage the dark place when I'm on the 90K ride I and see. no one else is around? Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> right. It's all, you're all in your head. That's it. That's all you got <laughs> Absolutely. for it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I had an experience, actually, when I did my half iron in 2017. Okay. It was a flat course. And flat courses are very hard. One I actually <laughs> love riding in the flat. Just saying. Let me tell you why. I found a flat course very hard. Is yeah. There's no coasting down that's a hill. That's right. That's <laughs> so true. You are always working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so people are passing me. Oh, and okay. I'm, getting, I'm getting anxious about that. Mm. And, and so I would say for someone just starting, know that there's going to be moments where you're going to go to a dark place or you're going to the pain cave. And that's where the practice of mindfulness and breath work and meditation can be helpful. Okay. And just... And just be 100%, if I could say, like, the last most important thing is is have unwavering faith that you can do this. I see. That's huge. That's yeah. huge. Just believe in it. Absolutely. Um, that's really interesting. I can imagine being in a place where, like you said, you just put me there. Um, you're on a bike. People are passing you. What are you going to do? Um, I, did a, uh, I did a charity ride. I ride car cancer a number of times. But obviously, it wasn't a competition. But I get that 
that sensation of people are passing me and you know no one else is around you um not a race again but um point is i understand that feeling okay well how do i continue to push through because at the end of the day i got to get to the end yep. right mentally now question for you is i don't know this are you able to listen to music uh, throughout the course at all are you able to put headphones in while you're on the bike is i don't think so okay i, I think it every i don't believe you can with iron man okay um just from safety um right makes sense yeah, yeah but I mean, there's the soundtrack going on in your head, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. But I, but I mean, certainly I've, I've been on, um, I've done some half marathons where people have had a portable speaker connected oh, to really? their fuel belt and, and they're running around. I mean, certainly when you get into some of these uh, larger half iron, uh, not half iron, um, half marathon events yeah. like BMO, there's encore or seaweeds. They have like encore entertainment bands and, and things, bands yeah, yeah, yeah. and DJs and whatnot. So, I I find for me, and really for anyone getting involved in that, the on-course support yeah. is huge. Okay. Um. So. So yeah, that's the long answer to knowing yeah. that you can listen to music while you're there, oh, it's like in earbuds. Right, because yeah. I know music is a big part of your life, and I figured yes. that might have been one of those things that you could do, but I guess not for safety reasons. Yeah. Now, um, you might have answered already, but what advice would you have wished you had been given when you first started? Do you have something that sticks out in your head? Um, for me, I would say it, it's twofold. Yeah. Um, finding a community. Okay. Um, my first half iron, I had a very wonderful coach, but he lived in Vancouver. Okay. So we couldn't always connect. And so I felt very lonely through mm. my training because I was doing it all by myself. Um, but, there's, but there are certainly triathlon training groups uh, that are established that you can, you can train with. Mm-hmm. So finding a community, whether it's, it's just someone you, you run with, yeah. just, just, just somebody that you can either be accountable to or just have that I'm connection with. Yeah, of course. Um, and then, and then, yeah, just believing yeah. that you can do it. And, and, and it's not just believing that you can cross the finish line, but believing you're capable of saying no when mm. you have to go to the gym, yeah. believing you're capable of structuring right. your schedule in a certain way. Because I think that a lot of people believe they have no time. Mm. How often as a trainer have you heard, I have no time. Yeah, of course. Right? So it's like, let's, let's look at time management. Priorities. Believing you're capable of doing that. Yeah, right. You're not at the mercy yeah. of the time gods. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, if from start to finish, let's say you've got a half Ironman or a half marathon in September. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's nine months out. When do you start thinking about preparing for, okay, this is day one preparation leading up to this event? Do you I have a timeline that you work with? So uh, right now I'm 15 weeks out from my first half okay. of, of 2020. Okay. And most people will say 16 to 20 weeks out is usually a good time to start training, just in terms of making sure that you peak right. at the right, the right time. Yeah. Um, and you avoid overtraining. Mm. But again, there's, there's a lot of people who do off-season training. Yeah. But, it's, but it's, it's more about maintaining your condition so that you can begin your 20 to 16 weeks right some people even do 12 weeks but i think 16 is probably like the optimal yeah i was gonna say like let's say it's 20 or 16 or whatever it's not like you've done nothing all year and then all of a sudden okay 20 weeks out let's start running (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. Right. There's a lot of, like you said, maintenance and off-season yes. work that goes on, uh, which I appreciate, again, as an athlete um, to, you know, a previous athlete that there's a certain level of condition that you need to maintain, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's why group fitness uh, has a big place in the fitness world because, uh, you know, that's where people go, to, whether it's yoga or Orange Theory or Club Pilates and things mm -hmm. like that. I actually want to go back a little bit and you were talking about the how important it is to have someone or community uh, important to you um, helping motivate you as well. And I want to talk about your partner, Russ, for a second. I know <laughs> you're, gonna, you're smiling, but um, I feel like he's been such a big influence, such a big part of your life in all of these endeavors that you've had. Um, can you talk to me about your relationship with Russ and you know how influential he has been for you? He's been huge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love Russ, by the way. I don't <laughs> yeah. get to see him often enough, but I love Russ. Yeah. <laughs> he, he has been huge. Yeah. Um, he, first of all, is my biggest fan <laughs> when it comes to supporting me in yeah. these ridiculous things that I think that I need to do. Um, but yeah, he's super supportive. Uh, whenever you train for something like long course triathlon, it's... It's so all-encompassing that, mm. and I was actually talking to someone about this this morning on yeah. a run, you kind of need to sit down and have that conversation with your partner and say, hey, I'm actually going to be doing these things and I'm mm. not going to be uh, at home or available as much as I normally will be. So there, there needs to be that group discussion, if you will, mm -hmm. of like appreciating that, yeah, this is going to be fine. You can go and do that. And I understand that I, see. I may need to like tape the Leaf game and we're going to watch that a little <laughs> bit later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like watch playoff baseball on PVR, which is very hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, and that's, but, but I mean, in terms of like big ticket, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's appreciating that they might need to take on a little bit more I see. while you're pursuing this goal. I see. Um, and, then, and then certainly there is that, of that pump up, yeah. That, that he gives me yeah. when I feel like, wow, I, I didn't do great mm. in that workout or I don't feel happy with how I did with that preparation event. Yeah. Or I feel like, why did I even bother signing up for this? I can't do this. <laughs> and he's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> you can do it. Keeps you on track. Absolutely. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and he's done some of the, has he done some of the events with you? We did um, a 5K, I think it was in 2017. I feel badly for him because this was his first <laughs> 5K in yeah. the dead of winter in oh Toronto goodness. on oh, the wow. waterfront. It wow. was very cold. Oh my goodness. But he did it. Yeah. Um, so I don't think he has aspiration to do a half Ironman by any means, but certainly he values the the benefit of going and doing a 5k and pushing your limits and kind of learning yeah. from from that and and that confidence of doing something that you thought maybe would otherwise you would never be able to do yeah right yeah no i looked i think going back to your instagram again but uh, you guys did the right to conquer cancer together too, that's how we you? met that's no way yeah in toronto yes get out of here yeah. okay um now we can talk about this for a few minutes um <laughs> So my background with uh, the Ride Conquest, I did it for four years in a row. I mm -hmm. worked for a bank that uh, was very supportive, um, and I loved it. Obviously, I did it at the Vancouver to Seattle uh, event, 
And physically, it was a challenge. And it got me into the sport of cycling, which I'm so grateful for. I love cycling now. I haven't been on my bike for a little while now, but um, it's something that I will always go back to. Um, to the point, and it's a bad habit. It can be a bad habit. As in, like, I want to get this bike. I want to get this these set of wheels. An this expensive year. habit. Exactly. <laughs> and so, obviously, that's cut down quite a bit for me now. It's different. But um, I, I loved what, the, what it was for. Mm-hmm. And that it give you a, it gives you a physical challenge, and it, you're obviously giving back. Um, so you guys did it in Toronto. How what year? So um, we did it 2012. Okay. 2013. Okay. We came back. I think we did it in 2014. Then we did 2016. Okay. Out here. So you've done four of them now. We've done four. Okay. Actually, no. We did 20, 2012 and 2013 together, okay. and then we did 2016. 15 out okay. here but i did it one year on my own so I i've see. done four so you and i are short one year um and the organization they give you a gold helmet for doing it for five i don't know oh if you knew really that. i didn't know that so i know so maybe incentive for maybe you and I. <laughs> maybe one more <laughs> <laughs> but um so you guys met at the event were you guys on the same team or was he like dragging you up a hill or something <laughs> what was it <laughs> we met we at the time yeah. i was working uh, with a friend of mine um, doing corporate training at an office just outside of uh, Toronto. Okay. And so she was a wellness coordinator there and I would come in and I would do fitness classes and okay. very casual one-on-one training. Um, it was more focusing on group fitness. Anyways, so she said, she came out to see me as I crossed the finish line in 2011 was like, we got to do this next year. We're going to put together <laughs> a team of people. And I yeah. said, yeah, let's do it. So anyway, so sure enough, we put together a team of people and it was made up of people who worked at that office and and he was there so uh i remember we had a fundraising meeting and everyone was joking around about all the different things we could do and (laughs) we could do this we do this and he was very businesslike and he was like we're gonna get these prizes we're going to stay on track here. We're going to focus. And I was like, oh my goodness, who is that? Oh, and really? I was really intimidated. I was like, oh, oh my goodness. I thought you meant, oh, who is that? As an ooh, sexy. No, I was like, <laughs> wow, that man means business. <laughs> <laughs> no messing around Russ, hey? Right. <laughs> so, so, so anyway, so we ended up organizing or trying to organize group rides, but everyone lived in different neighborhoods. Right. Turns out he lived two condo buildings over. Wow. And so anyways, the day of the ride comes and... And we we rode a lot of the course together, and then it was like, oh yeah, we live so close, we should get together, mm. and and then it was just this beautiful, organic, yeah, evolution of a relationship. It, there was never any, and now we've passed the friend zone. It was just <laughs> like, it yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I've never had that happen before. It okay. just like literally happened without any kind of expectation no. or pressure no. or anything wow that's beautiful cool. that's it is amazing beautiful. <laughs> it is absolutely yeah. i actually love your relationship um when i see it when you guys come into classes and stuff together um how long has it been now when you, you guys been together eight years eight years eight, well june and uh, july some sometime in the you're summer you're there you're there eight yeah. years <laughs> congratulations that's so awesome thank you now uh would you say that you and russ are very competitive with one another Okay, that's a loaded <laughs> question. Oh boy, let's hear it. He would say, and I would agree, <laughs> I'm very competitive. Yeah. And he is not. Ah, uh, okay, okay. So, um, no, we're not competitive with each other. <laughs> Although, when he would come and work out with me at Orange Theory, if I saw him increase the speed, it was this little, oh, it's on. It's on, bud. <laughs> but he, he would just be like, turn it down just for fun, just to see what I would do. Like, it were, 
he's he's generally not a competitive yeah, person, yeah, yeah. so he doesn't get too fussed by it. Yeah. But no, we're not competitive. Maybe he does it just to get you to motivate you to go a little bit faster or work a little harder. Maybe it's, maybe it's all part of his yeah, master yeah. plan. <laughs> I love that. Um, so you mentioned you got a couple of events that's coming up this mm-hmm. year leading up to. What do you got coming up in June? You said June, right? 15 weeks. May. May, okay. May. What do we got coming up in May? The Victoria Half Iron 70.3. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And uh, you're already into training, yes? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just finished. I actually just finished week one okay. of 16. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then in September, I've got Maple Valley 70.3, just okay. outside of Seattle. Oh, wow. That's mm-hmm. exciting. And so you're doing these Ironmans now, eh? Is there any aspiration for doing a full? I don't know if you... No. No way. <laughs> No, and you know what is so funny is I, a lot of people that I've met through the sport has said, oh, you're going to do a half and then you're going to get the bug and then mm. you're going to want to do a full. And I felt my half Ironman in 2017 was such an emotional experience. Yeah. Every possible emotion <laughs> you, you could feel, <laughs> I felt there. I, I could not imagine that for another six or seven hours. No. <laughs> But, but but in all seriousness, I, yeah. I find that the half distance is a really nice way for me to still participate mm. in a life with Russ and I, um, to still travel mm. and to do all kinds of other things that I really like doing um, that don't necessarily have a place in triathlon-specific training. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so the half seems to me like this is a great distance. I feel accomplished that I covered 70.3 miles. Right. Um, my own body, not in a car. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> I feel That's like a I, lot of mileage. Yeah, in one event. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's. I think it's and it's and it's enough of a challenge that I you you have to respect that distance. So right. it's still, it still for me feels like yeah. I have, I have some. With this, I have some. I have a score to settle gotcha. after the last twenty seventeen uh, one. So now I just want to see if I can perfect myself with. And it's a race with yourself, obviously. Um, Would you say, generally speaking, people you talk to, like lay people who don't necessarily have never participated or watched an Ironman or whatever, do you feel like there's a bit of a um, minimalizing, perhaps, of the fact that it's only half? Only half? Because, like you just said, it's 70 miles, right? Running, swimming, and biking. Do you feel like there's a little bit of that or just a a lack of understanding of what the distance is? No. No, It's been my experience where... I can't remember who I was speaking to. Yeah. It actually just happened a couple of weeks ago where I said, oh yeah, I signed up for um, an Ironman. I was like, oh wait, just a half. And they're like, oh, just a half. <laughs> and they were actually like, that's still a big deal. Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. kind of been representative in the experience that I've had. Gotcha. When you talk about a half, half marathon or a half Ironman, yeah. everyone's like, you're the one that said just <laughs> I, I say just to half and they're like whoa that's still really it's impressive just anything yeah, yeah that's where that's wild so you got this one coming up in may what have you got and you said that in september you have the maple valley one right? maple valley yeah okay. and then there's 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 events leading up to it like i'm bmo half marathon okay um and a small uh, a few smaller triathlons to kind of get your body ready to do okay and that's that can be part of your training regimen participating in those little guys i see mm-hmm. i gotcha would you okay if you could pick between the three uh disciplines uh which is your strongest would you say that's a tough one yeah um i feel like i could probably ride a bike for way longer than i can run so i Mm. would say cycling is probably my strongest one okay but i'm definitely a very nervous cyclist oh (laughs) Oh, yeah as in what tipping over or getting a flat or getting a flash yeah like i did i did uh, a relay in atlantic city half iron relay in september that's and cool. I got two flat tires in <gasps> quick succession. 
so frustrating. Oh, absolutely. It was going to be a PB. <laughs> oh my gosh. And it's like completely out of your control too. Yeah. Right? And it's not like you have a team van that's following around with spares ready to go. No. And I'm embarrassed to say that I need to learn how to change a tire. It's not fun. I mean, you have the yeah. levers and everything. It, it still takes a few minutes. doesn't matter how quick you are. You yeah. Know? So, so anyway, so yeah, <laughs> cycling, I think I could probably, I could probably do for a while, but, but yeah, I am, I am running. I've been doing the longest okay. of any okay. of them, but I just know that I have a limiter when it comes to yeah. running. And then at <laughs> one point I'm like, no, I'm done. <laughs> right. I gotcha. Now again, flip side then, would you say, uh, would it be running or swimming? That would be the one that you have most, uh, improvement on. Um, I think running. Running, yeah. I made the most gains um, over the years with running because it's the one that I've been working the most diligently on. Okay. Coming back from a pretty bad ankle sprain last year. That's right. I was remember really, that. Yeah, it was really forcing me to kind of get back to basics and focus on all that stuff. So even now, like, I just went for a very, very short run mm. um, this morning. <clears throat> but even now, I'm feeling the benefits of all the little, the physio exercises that no one wants to do, <laughs> that you're supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> Feeling the benefits I of see. doing all of those things now. Um, this is probably an, an easy question to answer, but how important is uh, proper running mechanics uh, to running? Like this is kind of a no-brainer, right? Because Huge. I feel like a lot of people, like they'll start in a group fitness class, but don't know how to run efficiently. Mm -hmm. um, how, what kind of work have you done to be an efficient runner? So <clears throat> things that I, first of all, recovery, like I said earlier, right. Is, is the foam rolling and the stretching and the hydrating and the resting, uh, full stop. If you don't have the mobility, then you're not going to get the gait or the, the, the push off of your, right. from your ankle to be able to propel yourself forward. I see. Um, what really kind of, I guess, I guess what really kind of made sense to me now that I've done it is all the Pilates that I've been ah, doing. Okay. And, and I have not been running with any kind of regularity, um, up until maybe this year, mm -hmm. like January, January 1st. Yeah. I and I did the one mile uh, workout. Uh, yeah. yeah. The one mile benchmark yeah. at OTF. And I ran that and I could not believe how <laughs> awesome it was because my core was engaged. My hips are stable. I'm feeling very stable and balanced. And it was all the stuff that I'm doing in Pilates. I'm like, my goodness, like, not, not that I'm suggesting you can go and run a half marathon after doing like a hundred <laughs> Pilates classes, but it's unbelievable the stability right. that you're getting right. and how much I overlooked that mm. over the years. And it was all about getting the miles yeah, where right. now it's not necessarily about getting the miles. It's about doing the cross training and the strength training and that core I see. building the foundation. Right. And I love, I love that you, you use the word stability and building foundation because I think everyone has learned how to run just, just as they, we learn how to crawl or walk. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that when you start doing it for longer distances that you can get away with running the way you run because maybe it's not the most efficient or certain things are unstable or there's everyone has a body imbalances right yeah. and there's always this trade-off between stability and mobility right and so getting that fine balance especially for running and this is a great segue to what i want to talk to you about next which is club pilates you've been an instructor there um obviously you're saying it's been huge in terms of helping you mm -hmm. with your ability to run efficiently so can you tell me what is Pilates? Mm -hmm. I've never done a Pilates class. It's um, obviously quite popular. What is Pilates and what does it do for somebody? So Joseph Pilates created this method. Uh, originally it was called Controlology. And 
I like that name because the whole basis of it is moving your body with control, okay. moving your spine in all different directions. And one of his quotes uh, are, if at 30 years old, you have a stiff and immobile spine, you're old. But at 60 years old, if you have a flexible and supple spine, you're young. Mm. So it's all about moving the spine, uh, core conditioning, working on stability, um, and teaching the body to move and breathe, which is something that most people don't do. They breathe really shallow. Mm-hmm. Um, chest breathing. Right? Yeah, yeah, chest breathing. Gotcha. And it's also about teaching the body to move in a unified fashion. So I think that there's certainly uh, benefits to doing like arm day, for example. <laughs> but, but knowing that it's not just the arms. Because you cannot be flopping your body around while you're doing the bicep <laughs> curls, for example, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's teaching the body to move in unison. So engaging multiple muscle groups. So it's really kind of, it is total body, but it also, it teaches the body the foundations of, of movement, I, I think. See. So okay. functional, everyone's throwing that word around. That's another bastardized right? term. And yeah, yeah, functional training, right? But I do. What does I that do, mean, right? Yeah. But I do believe that in, in the context of Pilates, it's very functional because it's going to teach you how to pick up that heavy thing off the floor and not yeah. throw out your back. Right, which is very common for yeah. a lot of people. Right? Yeah. It's going to teach you when you're driving in your car and you've got to check your blind spot because not everyone has the fancy backup camera. <laughs> it's going to teach you how to rotate safely mm. so you're not tweaking your back when you're doing that. Okay. And so that, that's actually a great question or a great answer because it leads to the next question I want to ask you. Is it beneficial specifically for certain types of people as well would you say like someone coming off the street that doesn't know what it is that that has certain ailments and stuff would it be beneficial it could be potentially beneficial for everybody but specifically certain types of people that are experiencing perhaps injuries or limitations that it would benefit um i think pilates really is all-encompassing yeah everyone can do pilates um in part of my rehab for my injury, mm. I was doing rehabilitative Pilates. And you'll often see a lot of physios that have a full reformer setup. And that's the cables, pulleys, and things. Is it cables and handles? It's like an apparatus. So you yeah. lie, and there's a carriage that there's pulleys with springs Got attached it. to it and a foot bar. I have seen that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so there's rehabilitative Pilates. There is this new stream of Pilates that's, well, it's not new, but people kind of going down this road of neuro Pilates. So like people who have MS or any kind of neurological issues, moving your body and learning how to keep those neural pathways communicating, open. Yeah. Interesting. So I really do feel that Pilates is for everyone. Mm. And I always tell people, we, everyone at Club Pilates, we tell all of our students that if something doesn't feel right in your body, we can modify it so mm. that it's accessible to you. Right. So Pilates really is is for everyone. Yeah, for everyone. Mm-hmm. And uh, from what I understand, though, there's different modalities or apparatus tools depending on the class too, right? Mm-hmm. So there's the reformer, which is what kind of class would you say you'd be doing using the reformer versus like just a mat on the floor? So I will say this. Yeah. All of the apparatus that you see in Pilates mm. is all going to make you better at what you do on the mat. Got it. So the mat is like creme de la creme oh, of Pilates. Okay. Even though nowadays everyone's like, oh, I get to use all these fancy toys that look like torture <laughs> machines, yeah. you know? It, but really, if you think about it, the mat is really what, where it began mm-hmm. and you are getting zero assistance mm-hmm. when you're on the mat. Whereas on the reformer, you have springs, you have straps that can help you. I see. Um, so at Club Pilates, what we do is, it's rooted in classical Pilates, but we do like to add in a little bit of contemporary 
flair, if that. you will, yeah, yeah, yeah. to it. So you will see a lot of the traditional exercises there, like the Pilates 100, the teaser, and whatnot. Okay. But I love that we also add in transfer. I mean, all of it's transferable, but we also add in different tools yeah, yeah, yeah. so that you can really take this into your everyday life. I love so that. we've got a chair, uh, we have a springboard, and then in our private training room, we have a Cadillac which is a Cadillac. Oh yeah. What is that? <laughs> Cadillac is, we have a convertible Cadillac. So, um, there's like a, it looks like a massage table when okay. it's all set up, but then when you take the cover off, there's a full reformer, oh. but there's, it's also kind of looks like the, the squat rack or a cage yeah, there right, right. where you can actually do inversions. So you can go upside down. Okay. You can hang off that. There's okay. like swings and cables and, and, and it's, it's, is it actually called the Cadillac or is, is this like a tr- like just a, name for it no it is that's funny when when that piece of equipment when he developed that piece of equipment he named it after the cadillac the car at the time had all the bells and whistles <laughs> and, and this and, is the, and cadillac the cadillac has all Pilates. the bells and whistles yeah i love that that's yeah. really cool um obviously um you've been doing this for a long time now at club pilates uh and i think i'm gonna have to pay you a visit now because of all the different things that you i feel do. like i can work on physically um so We'll have to schedule a time. Yeah, I'll do it. All absolutely. Right. Um, I want to talk a little bit about now. I want to transition into uh, something that I know is very close and important to you um, uh, and the role of music. And we've, we've kind of touched on that a little bit, but the role of music and what it's played in the fitness industry, um, being a group fitness coach, club Pilates, um, and you were an in- indoor cycling uh, instructor. Um, all of it has elements of music and sound. And uh, I want uh, you to share a story a little bit about uh, what that means to you and how it's impacted you up until today. So uh, growing up as a dancer, music's Mm. always been something that's kind of always been um, informing Mm -hmm. how I'm going to move. So whether it's in a dance class or performing on stage, the music is there. If I'm working out, chances are there's music there trying to help me power up the hill, for example, or whatever. Um, So music's always been uh, a really guiding force, I guess, in my workouts. Um, And I think that for me now, Mm -hmm. we have to be careful (laughs) with the music. And it can't be the overarching theme forget what it is why it is that you're doing what you're doing because the music is so loud right right. (laughs) and i think i think that's a segue for me to kind of talk about why yeah i'm on this crusade yeah well (laughs) and i think and i really want you to start even with um and when when i learned this about you um i was very curious as to how it all started for you because you've experienced significant would you say hearing loss um could you explain to me like when it all started for you and to the extent to which that it's affected you now, right? So on my dad's side, mm. um, his father, my dad's brother, and I believe my grandfather's mother all had hearing loss. So it's a genetic, okay. uh, it's a genetic condition. And it, it was not a matter of, there's, I think there's two different types of hearing loss. So there's, uh, can't remember the exact words, mm. as- asymptomatic okay. and symptomatic. So okay. symptomatic is sometimes you can actually see physical markers that this person oh, has okay. hearing loss and they are born with a hearing deficiency. I see. In my case, I was not born with hearing loss and there were no physical markers, but the way that my DNA 
is is there is a miscommunication. I see. And so it's going to degenerate over time. Over time. Okay. So it, and I think that's generally how it works in my family that it it's degenerative. I see. So um, knowing this, my mom just happened to take me and my brother to a hearing test when I was 12. There were no um, red flags at school. Like everything was going fine. Right. She thought, ah, I know that this is in your medical history. Let's, let's go check it check out. Check it out. I see. And she was, she was shocked to learn that I had hearing loss at that age. And this was 12 years old. 12. So probably not the time to get big hearing aids right. when hormones are going wild and everyone is super aware of themselves and how they're um, perceived. You know, exactly. Yep. But oh, I did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, and, and I think that I have, I wouldn't say that over time I've noticed, Oh, I can't hear that. I can't hear that. But it's certainly, um, degenerated to the point now where I have very little aidable hearing in my left side. And I would say that I have about 50% left on the right side. Oh my goodness. Now, when you say very little aidable hearing, what does that mean? So that means I hear sound, but there is no clarity to it. I see. And it's often, uh, how do I describe it? it? It's often just noise. I see. So just muffled sound. It's muffled. Okay. It's noise. It's very uncomfortable because I can't yeah. make out what it is. Okay. And I, and I can't tell where it's coming from. Uh, which again is, is a reason why I'm a nervous cyclist mm. because <laughs> I right. can't hear people coming up behind me. Right. So um, it does, it, it does make, f and, and even when you put a hearing aid in, it sounds almost like, do you know when they give the traffic report and the guys in the helicopter? Yeah. yeah. It sounds, yeah, it sounds worrying. like that. And you can't really make out what he's saying. I see. Yeah. And, and it sounds, you know, someone's talking, you're perceiving sound, but it's difficult to I make see. out what exactly it is. Now you've got headphones in right now and mm -hmm. it's in a mono setting. So therefore the sound is the same, both in left and right. Mm -hmm. Um, can you tell me right now how my voice or your voice even sounds when you've got equal input going into both ears? Um, I'd like to tell you that, it both sounds the same, okay. But I'm getting feedback a little bit on my left side. Interesting. Um, just because of I, I'm assuming because of the volume going in okay. and the hearing aid is kind of going a little bit crazy. I see. Okay. But um, for the most part, it's clear. These okay. are great headphones, by the way. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's but it's clear. Right. Um, and I and I think it's just because we've blocked out background noise, mm -hmm. so. I'm only focusing on you. Right. And, and our voices. I, and this is the only thing that I'm hearing. I see. Whereas when you go into a social setting in a restaurant, I don't like going out for dinner anymore. Mm. Let's be honest, because it's very loud. Right. And I can't even hear most of the time what someone across the table or two seats over might be saying to me. I see. So, so these are the, and the reason I ask even just that very specific question is uh, little things that uh, anybody would take for granted. Putting headphones on and listening to music, having a conversation, listening to a podcast where they would expect to hear two inputs coming in the same from both ears. Um, you aren't able to experience that anymore. Because of the significance, uh, the deterioration, like you're saying, and it's only 50% aidable on the right. Is that what you said? It's about, yeah, it, it's, if you look at the, the, the audiogram chart, it's kind of gone yeah, down. I so. see, I see. Now, um, maybe think, explain it from a layman's perspective, um, decibel level. Um, I think everyone understands there's, there's certain de decibel levels and sounds and things. Um, to what decibel level, let's say, for example, my voice right now is 
50 level decibels or whatever. Um, at what point do you need to have to compensate with your hearing aids such that you can get this, this level tone? Does that make sense? Yeah. That question? Yeah. I don't, I don't know the... And this is I've more of a measure of the degeneration is what I'm trying to get yeah. at. Yeah. I, yeah. It, I don't know what my hearing is with the hearing aids in. Because oh, I've see. never actually had a hearing test done with them on. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, but I can tell you, when you go through the programming phase, for example, there are certain frequencies that I hear better than others. Okay. So on the left side, I perceive bass. It's okay. very bassy on the left side. There are certain frequencies, like high-pitched frequencies, that I can't perceive anymore. I, I can hear them on the right side. Um, certain um, people's voices I find really difficult. Certain people's voices are okay. really difficult. Because they, they, they operate that voice is a certain frequency level or whatever. Mm -hmm. I see. Yeah. And then I will say there's a certain psychological element to it as well where I'm very used to Russ's voice. Okay. So... If he were to say a sentence and someone that I've never met before were to say a sentence, I probably would hear him, but I wouldn't necessarily comprehend that other person. Okay. It, I might hear what they're saying, but it might take me a while to kind of understand their voice. Now, is it because of the exposure of you've had with Russ's voice? It's obviously daily basis and you're able to almost pick it up, mm -hmm. whether you're able, even like actually hearing every everything but you're able to kind of discern what he is saying yeah, yes I see. I see. yeah and i think i and like i said i i probably can hear what the person i don't know is saying mm. but there is that mental block of like trying not to identify myself as someone who can't hear i see right okay. i can probably hear them but right. that's i mean that goes back to what i was saying where mm -hmm. is that whole mental element of i see of of believing you can hear you have the hearing aids <laughs> i see <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah yeah. But sometimes our brains just want to shut things off because like you said, um, you can be in an environment where it's just too overwhelming and, you know, someone who is sitting two, two seats away from you may just seem like noise and, you know, mentally you're just kind of like, I, I just don't want to anymore and I'm going to hone in on what, yeah. I, what I feel like I need to listen to. So again, these are different things that I feel like we as people just generally take for granted who may, may have not experienced hearing loss. Mm -hmm. um, I was going through um, military uh, training uh, testing anyway to get into the military uh, a few years ago um obviously i've chosen a different path but <laughs> they put you in this almost like a mini tank sound completely soundproof room and they have little tone toot, toot, and it goes through different frequencies and obviously not, i had a normal uh test result which i was very happy about but i would imagine there were a lot of things that you probably wouldn't have been able to hear how did you have been put in this little chamber right I'm really good at faking it. <laughs> <laughs> oh so my goodness, that's funny. I have done like hearing tests for decades okay. now. And it, I have a lot of what they call false positives mm, on my hearing test. I see. Because my brain knows that there's approximately two and a half seconds between, between the, the beats. <laughs> so I push the button oh accordingly. My gosh. So certainly there's, there's I hear, obviously they, they put it, at a, at a decibel level that I can hear it and then they start to turn it down. down. Or yeah, right. And that's when I start yeah. <laughs> clicking it as I know that it's happening. But I think there's also uh, ringing in the ears, which some people have tinnitus, which okay. you can hear ringing or sirens and whatnot, which can also be very distracting. And right. when I do a hearing test, because I'm hearing all this other beep, beep and, right and whatnot. So sometimes I have a hard time understanding, am I hearing the beep or am I hearing this? I see. And of course, okay, well, whether it is or not, I'm just going to hit the button. I just start hitting the button. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Okay, well, let's let's talk about how 
um, someone like me can mitigate the effects because obviously it's affected you um, significantly. Um, w- before we get into that, even uh, to, at what point do you say your your hearing will continue to degenerate over time? Like, uh, I don't know. No, no. It, okay. it would it ever stop? Would you say ideally, like hopefully, is that something that something could maybe it'll just stabilize over time? I hope so. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Okay. Um, I feel like. I have used my dad as a marker. Okay. Um, but I have worse hearing than him now, so okay. I can't really use him can't as a say. marker anymore. Mm-hmm. So I really don't know. Um, I'm assuming it's going to get worse. So uh, that realization or assumption has kind of made me take certain steps to mitigate whatever loss. And, and, and understand that for someone who has normal functioning hearing, they can probably be in a louder or noisier environment for longer than I can. I see. And, and I just have to accept that yeah. and move on. Right. Um, and so for, for years, like when I was 25, 30 years old, going and, and eventually teaching in these loud environments, I never even considered it. Right. It wasn't until, I'm going to say in 2017, when I got the hearing test done that showed me how much I had lost that it was absolutely devastating. I see. Okay. And it was like, we need to make a change. Right. Now, how attributable would you say the last couple of years or even up leading up to 2017, getting that hearing test was loud music to the fact that it had degenerated to the point that it had? Did it, did it accelerate that degeneration? So. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Especially since I, like I said, I can't, I mean, regardless of whether or not I worked in live theater, taught, which I did do, right. but like taught indoor cycling and whatnot, Zumba, in loud environments, mm-hmm. uh, I still was going to lose hearing. I see. So it's hard for me to say, oh, that definitely did it. Mm-hmm. But I do think that I didn't do myself any favors by putting myself in environments where it was loud and I wasn't using hearing protection. I see, okay. Just the mere exposure did not help, obviously. Right. So what is it that someone like me, whether it's a group fitness coach or a group fitness participant, how can we mitigate a lot of these things? What what are some best practices, whether we're a participant or we're leading a class? What is a normal thing that we could prevent these things from happening and still not impact the experience, perhaps? Certainly wearing uh, hearing protection yeah. um, when you go into a loud environment. So in the same way, if you were to go to a concert, yeah. you put in hearing protection. You see babies, they have the big headphones. I know, Cruz has those yeah, little exactly. earmuffs. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you can get you can get custom fit molds if, if you're going to be in a loud environment for the regular. Certainly, yeah. um, construction workers that work in loud shops and plants and whatnot, they have custom molds that they can get done. Right. Um, but for the everyday person... You can probably get those little um, foamy things, foamy ones, and, yeah. and put them in your. They, they, some of them will take away up to thirty-three decibel of sound. Okay. So if you think that you're in a womb that has like ninety-five decibels, right? Taking away thirty plus decibels of that is great. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's like that's a no-brainer. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. that's something that's very easy to do, um, and you can still, for the most part, you can still hear. Uh, when you've got them in right and instruction and things on yeah like as a motorcycle rider um and historically i did not wear uh, 
uh, what do you call those? What else? Earplugs, earplugs, yeah. earplugs. Yeah. Um, but I got custom mold ones because the the exhaust and the motor and all that stuff uh, on my particular motorcycle is a bit louder. And so I looked into the research and will it impair my ability to discern traffic from you know left and right? And it really doesn't because um, you still have the ambi- ability to the ambient noise to come in. So you'll know if someone's coming up next to you or whatever. But the um, the, just the constant drone of the things, I, I realized that I needed this because some of the helmets, they're very noisy and you need all of this stuff. So I'm um, talking about decibels. Uh, what is an average, would you say, for a group fitness class that's appropriate? And where is it that it's like, okay, it's too much and exposure is too much, for example? Well, there was a study done on a pair of researchers in 2014 where um they were doing a study on noise-induced hearing loss, which is becoming a little bit uh, more prevalent now with the advent of earbuds and things going right in your ears. Um, and after just a 60-minute class, they observed that there were risk of permanent hearing loss okay. after one 60-minute class. So wow. if you think about, um, and, and through my research, indoor cycling classes... Uh, sometimes top out at about 100 decibels. Okay. And if you think about doing a 60-minute class at 100 decibels, our Occupational Health and Safety Act in Canada says you can't be in there for longer than 40 minutes before you experience or potentially experience lasting hearing loss. Wow. So if you imagine you go and you do your indoor cycling class two to three days a week and music's pumping up at 100 decibels. Right. Yeah, you're getting a great workout, but at what cost? Right, right. Potentially, Potentially permanent yeah. loss. Now, um, this is very enlightening to me, obviously, and when you presented it the first time, but even now, because I, as a coach, find it very motivating, even for me, and it's, it's become kind of a part of my uh, style. I guess we'll call it style. And uh, to understand... I think it's that's really what it is, is the lack of knowledge and education around it. Yeah. Um, to understand that the potential long-lasting impacts can really change uh, our behavior and uh, the way we perceive, right? I think it's just become uh, this thing that we ignore or it's become just a commonplace uh, part of group fitness. And uh, we don't realize and think about the potential impacts of it. And I think for me, music being so central mm-hmm. to my experience in life, whether it be a dancer, whether it starting over in yeah. 2009 and becoming a Zuba instructor. And it's my outlet of like, I can still dance and be paid for it, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, and, and, and then discovering fitness and indoor cycling and how awesome it is. Music can be a uniting force. Music can get you up that hill. Yeah. You can, you can, choreograph a routine to music you can put on this really awesome nine inch nails beat at the slow <laughs> grind as you're climbing up a hill right. like it's so it's so much a part yeah, of our yeah, experience yeah. and i feel like i'm no different than anyone else in mm. that i i i thrive off of that because of what has happened over the last couple of years for mm. me i've had to kind of look at why do I need the music to get my butt up the hill? Mm. Why do I need the music to... And it's finding that inner drive. It doesn't mean don't have the music on. Yeah. Because I do, I do like to have it on there. But does it need to be 
90 decibels. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. And it's, and it's finding that, what it is that bought, brought you to the bike gotcha. or the dance floor right. in the first place. It wasn't place. the music. Right. Right. Yeah. I see. Uh, finding those intrinsic motivators versus that external, okay, well, this is what's going to keep you going, is the beat of this song. Mm-hmm. Right. I love that distinction. I think um, all of us, whether we're on the coaching or instructing side or we're a participant side, I think it's really important to be able to make that distinction and understand that... Um, why people are there in the first place. And it, yeah, it's part of the experience. And like mm-hmm. you said, you grew up it being a part of your experience, how big it is for you. And for you to now have to reflect back and think, what other things are there that's motivating me to continue to do these things? Totally. Right. And it's not necessarily just the beat of whatever song you're listening to. Yeah. I find too, like I've certainly been in classes, mm-hmm. your classes especially, <laughs> where you have such an awesome playlist well i'm like into it yeah and i'm not necessarily paying attention to my overhead press or right. you know because yeah. i'm like yeah man i'm, and I'm pumped yeah. i'm pumped so 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 yeah it's initially it's detracting from the experience mm. but it's an opportunity for us mm. to to get back to good form why are you here in the first place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like your why right. and, and, and to do the work yeah, yeah. and to be present in right. your workout. Yeah, I love that. What is your why? Yeah. Um, yeah, I can, I can just give so many examples to many times where I had to either talk to somebody about, yeah, I get it, but why are you really doing this yeah. for? And I think that's an important introspective thing to do uh, for everybody um, and, and not be so dependent on whatever the music or some sort of even an external factor i know in certain group fitness things there's you know a screen that tells you how many points you're earning per minute and things those are all external motivators but what about what is it that what are you doing for yourself i think that's a really really good takeaway from from even this Mm -hmm. right um you use the term 90 decibels there for a few times what is that in comparison to like what is that relative to let's say that's the average in a group fitness class what what does that compare to out in the real world okay so i found this really awesome chart on the center for disease control and prevention website so we're talking about things like a refrigerator hum okay it's about 40 decibels probably not going to cause any hearing damage okay but you start going into city traffic 80 to 85 decibels gonna get a little uncomfortable a hair dryer 90 decibels there you go hair dryer a lot of people use hair dryers. And but it's not going, for an hour. Well, no, not for an hour, but, but even still. Um, that's loud. It's, it's the continued. Right. And that's the thing about noise-induced hearing loss. It's two factors. Mm. It's the sound itself, how loud it is, mm. and then it's prolonged and repeated exposure. Uh, right? right. So it's like, it may only be five minutes, but it's five minutes every day. Right. Right. Mm. Then you start getting into like a motorcycle. 95 decibels, probably going to damage your hearing after 50 minutes if you're not wearing any kind of hearing protection. Then you look at, you know, a very loud radio, a concert venue, 105 to 110 decibels, you're going to get hearing loss in five, or potential hearing loss in five minutes. Five minutes. Five Five minutes. minutes. That's it. You know, five minutes is probably the length of your favorite song song in that whole set. And remember, I was at a country concert. It wasn't even like a rock concert. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, by the way, everybody, it was my first uh, country concert. (laughs) Um, I loved it. But point is that we don't really think about what it is, what is the um, benchmark or the baseline of, okay, well, at this level, you're actually going to potentially impact your hearing 
permanently. Um, we think, okay, we're only at a concert for an hour, two hours max, no big deal. But it, the continued repetitive. I think the most deceiving um, uh, source of sound that I think we neglect the most, it's not even in the car, it's not even at the gym, but it's your headphones. Because yes. you put them in your ears and you think, all right, I still hear some background noise. I'm going to turn it up a little bit louder. I've got my, you know, my uh, top set. I'm going to hit my, you know, my personal best, but I'm going to crank it even more. But that ongoing continued exposure is potentially what's going to lead you to this permanent damage, right? I was at the gym yesterday doing um, a cross-training ride. And I was appalled. Not, not appalled, but I was shocked at how yeah. many people are with the headphones on. Mm. I don't know how loud their music is, if they're listening to music, but I'm going to say a lot of them were because it was plugged into their phone. Okay. But if you think about that, they go to the gym two, three times a week, maybe more if, yeah. they're, if they're really committed, and you're listening to it, at, even if you're listening to it at like 75, 80 decibels, it's right in your ear canal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. And and And... And that's why that's that's why I say the 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 disconnect for me is you're doing something good for your body by being in the gym, but there is this trade off here. Yeah. And I, and I and I feel like this. I don't want to be a fear monger. Mm. I don't want people to be afraid to listen to their music or to have the experience of going into group fitness class because I love it. Yeah. I don't want you to stop coming to yeah. my classes. <laughs> But I think it's just, like you said earlier, educating and yeah. being aware. It's like, okay, I'm going to wear earplugs or I'm going to turn the music down a little bit yeah. or maybe I'm not going to listen to my headphones every workout. Maybe yeah. I'll do it of the five days I go. Maybe I'll do it two. It's just trying to mitigate your risk as much as you can, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. knowing that in every moment you have a choice and with every choice, there's a consequence yeah. to it. It doesn't necessarily need to be a bad consequence. Yeah. It's just saying like assessing your risk and right. proceeding. right. Right. In the same way you, you assess your risk, I'm going to get in the car and I'm going to put my seatbelt on. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. And I don't think people look at it that way, that there's no associated risk, but there really is. There yes. really is. Um, and the as you're speaking, the, the word mindfulness continues to come up in my head. And, uh, you know, being mindful about what you got to do that day. But how about be present and be mindful about, okay, how, what is it today that I'm doing for myself? But what is the trade-off in being exposed to potentially permanently... Uh, impacting my life negatively so, right right yeah and i think i think for me as i've kind of started to navigate this i don't want to say new reality because i've lived with hearing loss for i don't know what it's like to not have it mm -hmm. but certainly in the last couple of years as things have changed so drastically it feels almost like a new reality for me because there's new anxiety associated with that and how do you how do you work with that and know that not everything is bad. Not yeah. everything is going to harm you. Right. It is that, that living with fear. So for me, the positive to come out of all of this is when I go into the gym and I do my workout, it's remembering what I'm there for. It's listening to my body, listening to the cues of my body. Mm. So if I know that I do my squat this way, I start to get a pain in my hip. Let me reevaluate my alignment right Let, you know and and really kind of hearkening back to listening to my own voice and listening to myself because i think that's a metaphor for life like yeah, how yeah. often do you listen to your own voice yeah it's like you were saying it's all about external validation and markers so for me it's kind of been almost like a comment yeah on life yeah 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 and 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 someone once said to me a long time ago 
uh, he said, maybe you have hearing loss because you have a problem listening to your own voice. Wow. And you need to not get caught up in all the external right. noise. And you're like... I, I buy into that. I'm like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you for putting me in my place. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Yeah. You know? But it's yeah, true. Wow. Yeah. That's actually quite a profound thing. Um, mm -hmm. you ex maybe you're experience her experiencing hearing loss because you're allowing so much external noise into your life. Mm -hmm. That's wild to me. I'm just wrapping my head around that. And it's so true. And perhaps no one, not, you know, not everybody experiences actual physical hearing loss, at least not yet. Uh, but that the metaphor itself should speak for itself is the fact that there's so much external noise. So why don't we start thinking about what's good for ourselves and not listening to all of that noise? And, wow. And like I said earlier, when you talk about preparing for the race yeah. the every day yeah that is something that i work on every day mm -hmm. and russ will tell you <laughs> there are good days yeah yeah uh and there are days where i really i lose sight of that yeah. so it's a matter of 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 knowing that it's not crossing the finish line mm. it's the, it's the everyday work that you do the everyday reminding yourself that you have all the answers you need right right you know yeah so well Let's say for someone like me that needs to educate themselves a little bit more, uh, where else besides speaking with you directly, could we find um, more information about the impacts of hearing loss and things? Do you have resources that you normally go to? Yeah, I yeah. find the Canadian Hear Hearing Services is a great okay. one. Uh, it's formerly called Canadian Hearing Society. They did a re they're doing a rebrand. Okay. So they've got some great uh, resources okay. uh, um, on their website. Okay. The uh, Canadian Occupational Health and Safety Act is a great one because okay. it talks all about it talks about different decibel levels um, in the workplace and how long exposure like what is safe right. exposure. Okay. Um, and then Center for Disease Control, which really? is it's American. Yeah, 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 there's yeah. a whole section on hearing health. Interesting. And it's and it's American based, but I think really at the end of the day the information is as relevant to us as in Canada as it is. Oh, of course. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would imagine it's pretty much the same. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so what I want to do is um, perhaps if you have some of those links, I'm going to put them in the in the show notes. Oh, for uh, sure. There's going to be ways people can get in touch with you, but in the show notes of the podcast episode so that people who are curious, they can literally just click on it and say, okay, this is what I need to learn. For sure. Yeah. Love that. Wanted to take a little break from the interview and let you all know about the text community that is growing and growing. This is the Fit United Podcast VIP. As you know, my goal is to connect all of us on a deeper level through conversations here on the podcast, but also between one another. Once you're part of the VIP, you get access to exclusive content from me as it rolls out, and I'll let you know ahead of everyone else of new episodes coming out. The best part is it's free, and you and I can keep in touch directly simply through text. All you have to do is text FITNESS to 69922. That's it. I've got a super important question to ask you there, guys. So text me now, F-I-T-N-E-S-S, FITNESS to 69922. All right, let's get back to the interview. All right, so thank you so much for talking about um, the impact of hearing loss and uh, certain of the things, some of the things that uh, we can do to help mitigate um, those uh, things from impacting us. But I want to learn a little bit more about you as a person, <laughs> and so I'm going to ask you some deeper questions. Deep questions. You got it. So um, can you think about what the wisest thing uh, you've ever heard someone say? Uh, I didn't actually hear this person say it, 
but it's a quote from Joe Pilates, okay. which I think is amazing. But he said, every moment of our life can be the beginning of great things. Mm. And it's getting back to what I was saying earlier about we have a choice. Yeah. And you can choose for this to be a great thing. So, you know, I don't have loud music in my class anymore. Mm. How can I turn that into a great thing? I see. I failed my test, whatever it is. Mm. How can I turn that into a great thing? You know, so yeah. I, I love how he's basically inferring that everything that, everything that, everything that we react to is a choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it can be made great. That's so true. Um, and perhaps optimism as an outlook. Yes. Um, silver lining comes to mind. But also uh, treating everything like, whether it's a positive or negative, as a learning experience. I think that's what I get from that, is mm -hmm. that you can really turn something perhaps seemingly negative into a positive experience. I also think about um, the role of not necessarily fate, but that there's a reason for everything. As far-reaching as that reason may be, as distant as it is to me personally, perhaps, but there was a reason that you and I are having this conversation. There's a reason that you and I met in class many years ago. I, I, re I truly believe that. And um, who knows, down, down the road, many years from now, someone finds this podcast and hears this and says, you know what, I need to make a change in my life. And I think that's how I operate. And yeah. I hope that um, people continue to see that because it's very hard in um, a negative experience to think that way. It's very, very hard. Like I've had very bad breakups when I'm like, oh man, my life is over and I'm really unfit and all this stuff. But it's really, if I look back in my life, any negative, at least seemingly negative experience has turned into some sort something positive. Mm -hmm. And had I not gone through that, I wouldn't have learned this lesson. I wouldn't have been this resilient. I wouldn't have been doing what I'm doing. So I started running in 2009. Okay. And at the time I was pursuing, I was in hot pursuit of a gentleman. <laughs> Literally chasing after him. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. <laughs> hot pursuit. And it just, it, there, it was not reciprocal. Okay. And I was so upset. Mm. But it actually, I found running as a, uh, to, to be healing in the sense of, mm pick up your ego and shattered self-esteem, pick it up. And, and I think, man, if that hadn't have happened, <laughs> maybe I wouldn't be doing all these awesome things right. that I am doing or that I have experienced. I've made lifelong friends through running. That's wild. I have met the most wonderful people through running and triathlon. I have done a half Ironman, which I never, ever thought I could do that. Right. And so I think, man, something that was really unfortunate. Yeah, the, yeah obviously part of the human experience, but that was really upsetting for me at the time. It was like the TSN turning point. Yeah, and I love how you, <laughs> you use know? the word because I feel like that's such a guy thing to say, but I love that you use it in such um, context. It's perfect. It yeah. really was a TSN turning point. Like um, it was a catalyst for you running yeah, and, and picking up the discipline of running. That's yeah. amazing. See, again, I love that. I love that example. And I, I, I hope you share that with a lot of people. It's like, you know, I didn't even want to run. And then I was chasing after this guy literally and figuratively. And look, now I'm doing all these things. <laughs> yeah. I absolutely love yeah, that. Yeah, no. That's it was, so it cool. Was, it turned out to be a great thing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, so if you could meet your younger self now today, uh, what would you say would make them happy or sad about who you are now? Um, I think my younger self 
would take great comfort and be very happy to know that you can overcome mm. a lot of obstacles, challenges. You can, you're resilient mm-hmm. or I'm resilient. So little Jessica would be happy to know that you can power through. Mm. But I think that she would be sad to know that there are still, that I still struggle with, or that the hearing piece is still something that I still struggle with. I see. Um, and I think that she would be sad to know that, that I still haven't made peace with that, mm. so to speak. What would you tell her now then? So that, you know, a few years down the road, she'll know, she'll know better. Now you've got this twenty twenty hindsight you can share with your younger self. Turn the music down. Yeah. <laughs> Easy. Well, Turn it down. But yeah, but I, 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 would, I would love to... I would love to give her the education that I have now, but say, don't be afraid Mm -hmm. because I still feel every now and then I'm afraid to do things because, oh my gosh, it's too loud. Or I don't think that I, that I can go in that social environment because I might not hear that person. And I sometimes isolate myself from those things. So I would say, know the risks, Mm -hmm. but don't be afraid. Right. Right. I love that. I love that. I think uh, whether it's your younger self or someone, anyone, that message is something that we could take away. Yeah. I love that. What is something you think someone should experience in their lifetime? Everybody should experience in their lifetime. You got to travel. Travel. You got to go out of your comfort zone. You got to see what other people are mm. doing. Um, you got to learn from different cultures. I had the benefit of traveling when I was younger mm-hmm. and seeing all different parts of the world. It's eye-opening, yeah. you know, just to be in a different culture. And it's not necessarily going to different cultures and seeing extreme despair. Like, that is an eye-opener for right, sure. Right, absolutely. But even just, here's a great example. We went to Mallorca this past summer. Where is Mallorca? Uh, it's a small island off of Spain. Okay. It's part, of, it's part of Spain, but it's just off the mainland. So the hotel looked fabulous and it was fabulous <laughs> but the room is very small okay and so for my western sensibilities i was like oh my goodness i am claustrophobic <laughs> in this room <laughs> i slip into the shower yeah, and i yeah, can't yeah. take my hands out to this oh my gosh really you can't even extend your arms up no oh my. no it's small okay it's very small but then i was like but i have this gorgeous beach outside <laughs> so I don't need to stay in this room, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, you didn't come here to see the damn rooms. <laughs> exactly. So it was like, yeah, and it's just like, and 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 the room is kind of like a metaphor because because yeah. at eleven p.m. there are families who have set up picnic tables and or foldable tables and chairs, yeah. and it's a potluck and people are coming together and the kids are running around. It's eleven o'clock at night and no one, no one is is mom shaming because the kids aren't in bed and people are having wine and food and everyone's just getting along and it's like wow it seemed to me and maybe i'm wrong but it seemed to me in that culture life is for living Mm. and they're enjoying themselves and they're not getting caught up in the material of big fancy house and whatever it's it's human connection right and so 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 i feel like getting out of your culture and seeing not saying that ours is bad, but getting out and seeing what else is out there yeah. can bring new perspective into how you live your life. Right. I think that's, I love that. I love that example. And I love the example that you used, even just the room. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I grew up in the Philippines. I moved here when I was quite young, when I was seven years old. And I also went back in 2013 
um, uh, there was a major typhoon there, and I went there for, to volunteer to some you know disaster relief and things. Um, I, I visited a completely different part of the country, beautiful parts of the country, but they were devastated because of this natural disaster. Um, and the level of happiness, I'm going to just use that word happiness, um, was through the roof, notwithstanding what just happened in their communities. Um, but a child content with an old soccer ball that's you know flat, it can't even be inflated anymore, lives in a, a hut. And they come out every morning. We were rehabilitating a, a hospital. This is the only hospital. The roofs were blown off. No rooms. We had to repaint it and everything. And we were, I wanted to use my creative talents and paint the entire pediatric ward with all this uh, goofy and all this stuff. And so, you know, me and a team did this. But we were doing all this work. Every morning, there would be these, these two kids coming out of this. It's a very, very small house. And they would kick the soccer ball. They'd play basketball with us. And they were just so happy despite everything happening around them. And then I came back feeling so guilty because of, and like you were saying, I mean, not that the Western culture is the be all end all, the one and only answer, because I feel like that perspective is so important. You go to a different place. I even went back to my own country and I was just blown away and my eyes were so opened to this um, different way of living. And it just reframed my priorities Mm -hmm. um, I changed my career altogether. A lot of it was because of that. I felt like I wasn't really helping people. And so I love that you use travel as an example. And I think, you know, myself included, I feel like I'm, I'm very sheltered that way because I don't think I've traveled nearly enough. But I appreciate that, yeah. that example. So, so you're you. going to book a, a plane ticket after we're done? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Misha and I still haven't gone on our honeymoon yet. So we're, gonna, we're working on it. So legit, you <laughs> might be booking that ticket. You got it, you got it. Um, if you could fix one problem, what would that problem be? I would fix the state of our current global environment, the physical mm, environment. Okay. Um, you know, there's a lot of discussion about global warming, mm. climate change, uh, landfills, plastic straws, all the things that we as human beings are doing. Yeah. Um, and I feel very strongly that now is the time to do something. Mm. Um, because it's possible, everyone talks about like for the children. Yes, for the children. <laughs> but it's possible that we may not even get to live a full life. Right. With, at the weight that we're going. So right. within our lifetime, mm. that we might experience something, all of this extreme weather that is happening. Right. I mean, I don't, maybe this was going on hundreds of millions of years ago, mm. but I really do believe that we're making an impact on the planet. Yeah. And, and it's a small daily acts. I feel like that's been the theme yeah. of this discussion. <laughs> it's the small, small little mm. things yeah. that you do that can make a huge difference. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think if I could fix anything, mm. I would clean up the oceans. I would clean up the landfills. I right. would create ways for us to drive around, to travel without creating this huge carbon footprint. Right. I would find ways for us to feed everyone without having to rely on potentially environment robbing right. techniques, yeah. if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I think um, there are people that are alive today that could make these significant impacts. I think there are people who have a ma massive platform that 
are making that awareness um, a big part of it. I appreciate you sharing that on this platform because you're right. I think the little things um, can really make a difference, whether it's using a reusable straw yes. or just saying no to the plastic lid that they give you when you go to a Starbucks or using your own reusable mug. Every little thing counts. And I think there's this lack of accountability is that ah, it's just one mug. What am I going to do for the greater good by not using, uh, you know, a disposable cup today? Mm -hmm. But you really are. And I think um, when enough people, and I mean, this is not what I think, it's what it is, is that if enough people have that same mentality, that's when it becomes significant. Absolutely. Right? Um, but I really think there are people today that have the power, the means to really make that significant impact that you're talking about. And I think those people, you know, we, you know, need to be accountable because you're right. It could be impacting our lifetime, mm -hmm. not our children's or grandchildren's lifetimes. There's got to be that accountability that today there might be something that will happen, natural disaster, natural occurrence, whatever, that could potentially impact us permanently, right? I'm currently really inspired by Greta. And yeah, 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 yeah. And what she's doing at 16 years old. Right. It takes so much courage mm. at that age to stand up to world leaders, mm. to challenge people on, on long-held beliefs yeah. that they maybe have only held onto because that's what they were told or yeah. that's just the way it always is. Right. It, like, she's unbelievable what she's doing. And I think she would probably be one of those people yeah. that you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know? And she doesn't necessarily have the means, but she has the voice and she yes. has the fortitude to go up there and, you know, call out to these people who yeah. do have the means and mm -hmm. the, the power. So, no, I love that. If there, <laughs> I love this question because uh, it's, it's interesting that I have different answers that I get, but if your home was on fire and you only had time to grab three things, Besides Russ, because he's a given. Oh, I was going to ask you, is he self-sufficient in this? <laughs> <laughs> People and like pets and th those are given. Okay, those are like, you know, you don't leave family members behind because of uh, a trinket. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. So if you could, three things in your house, uh, what would you grab? So Russ and the pets were on the list. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now what else? <laughs> what else? Yeah. Okay. So I know everyone says this, but I'm going to tell you why I say this. I'm going to grab my phone. Okay. And I'm going to grab all of my photo albums. Okay. And uh, I have some family heirlooms, like okay. earrings and whatnot. So, so sentimental. Sentimental. Items. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and I'm going to run out of there. Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> but I do pictures. I, I take pictures of everything. Mm. And not being able to have that. It's it, it. Sometimes it jogs my memory. Yeah, I might absolutely. have forgotten if something happened when I was like 15 years old, and right. I see a picture, and I'm like, and I'm transported back to the place. Yeah. And I have the feels and the smells and the textures, and I yeah. experience it all over again. Yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, I would take that with me. I got gotcha. you. One hundred percent. It's a reminder of you know your experiences in life. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we're very fortunate today that we are able to do things a lot electronically. Like everything was on film mm -hmm. and, you know, printouts or whatever, like the, the photos and things. Um, so our childhoods, because we're about the same age, uh, we only had film and photos and things. So a lot of those memories, if I haven't digitized them, you know, they could perish in a, you know, in a yeah. house that's on fire. But now, like, especially with crews and stuff, like my phone, literally, it's a 64 gig phone. <laughs> and I've had to wipe it out twice now. Obviously videos and photos and everything, but... Literally, a lot of it is, you know, my son. And 
I'm so glad that I can back it up on the cloud. And even if, let's say, the phone was missing or gone, then at least I know it's all backed up. So we're lucky that way, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. And you're, and right. you're lucky you understand what the cloud is. <laughs> okay, well, we'll have to talk about this after. We're going to enlighten you on this. <laughs> all right. Complete this sentence. If you really, really, really knew me, Jessica Bowman, you would know that. I wish I had a really insightful answer. <laughs> this was the one question that I was, oh, I can't finish this. Really? I have no idea. Yeah. So I, something that even only Russ, obviously within reason, that's, you know, you're okay sharing with, but something only maybe Russ or a really good friend would know about you. I really do feel like I'm an open book. Yeah. But that's amazing. I think that if you really, really knew me. Some sort of quirk. Um, I find really bizarre things really funny. Really? Yeah. Do you have an example in mind? Yeah. When I was younger, my aunt kept telling my cousin to step off the ledge of the fountain in the shopping mall. Because remember when shopping malls used to have like little fountains? In the middle, yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So he he was walking on the ledge and she kept saying, get off that, you're going to fall. And he was listening. And then all of a sudden you hear a splash <laughs> and he fell. I just found and that so my, my first instinct was to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then I felt remorseful because oh he gosh. was getting in trouble and yeah, oh my yeah. goodness, was he hurt and whatever. Right. So I kind of laughed. That's hilarious. It's because I'm uncomfortable. And so I laugh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, is you're the uncomfortable maybe, laugh. Maybe that's what it is. If you really I, knew me, you know, sometimes funny. I just kind of <laughs> laugh because <laughs> my sister's kind of like that actually. Yeah. So I get it. Yeah. It's just, everything's just funny. Sometimes it's really inappropriate. Oh my God, that's fine. Uh, have you seen The Joker? The movie The Joker? No. Okay. I well, want to, okay. but I'm also afraid that I can't unsee and unknow those things. So uh, I don't know if I'd be able to sleep at night. <laughs> I'm, I'm only halfway through and we managed to sleep through it, like three or four attempts of getting through it. Not that it's a bad movie, but um, I think that's part of the affliction that he had was this uncontrollable laughter in a nervous situation. Yeah. And it may seem inappropriate and you're saying, I'm laughing, I shouldn't be, but I just can't stop it from laughing. <laughs> Yeah, I, That's I mean, I don't, I don't do it all the time, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but usually when it's really not appropriate, yeah. that's when it pops oh out. Oh my gosh. Well, those are, those make for perfect moments, right? Yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's title your life in a movie. If you could title your life as a movie, what would you put that as a title? Shenanigans for days. Shenanigans for days. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm going to leave that right there. Right. right. There. Uh, what in your life do you feel is a work in progress right now? Uh, definitely, um, hearing my inner voice, trusting my inner voice, being okay with the state of my hearing and Mm. being okay with that in my change. Um, I'm not joking when I do say that every day I work at, I work at trying to be positive about that Mm. and being, um, being strong enough to listen to my own voice mm. because so often I, 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 a lot of people do this. What do you think about this? Mm. Someone so said this, what do you think they mean by that? Instead of going and talking to so-and-so because I know that's the right thing to do. Yeah. Or instead of saying, you don't have to worry about that. You can just be here right now right. and know that what come what may, you'll be strong enough to, to handle it mm. because you've gotten this far. Right. It's that, it's that being 100% um, 
in tune mm. with my own voice. I love that. And like I said, I, I at the at the risk of sounding esoteric, I really do believe the hearing loss is just a metaphor mm. because I really do think that's my thing. Yeah. It's just being like a hundred percent sold yeah. on what I'm saying and what I'm feeling yeah. and not taking on someone else's opinion or someone else's thought on, yeah. on something. Yeah. Not to say that it's not valid to have input, but I think in matters of the heart, you mm. always know, mm-hmm. you know, right. And I need to remember that I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's a gut feeling, whatever you want to call it. But, yeah. um, I think this is something that I know I continue to work on. I think, uh, when I ask this question, what is a work in progress? A lot of people will say everything, which is potentially true. Uh, but there are certain things that stand out, especially like like something like this, this uh, listening to your inner voice. Um, but I think that's something that most people should hopefully take away from this is that you got to give yourself credit for who you are. Yeah. And really just trusting that you are a good person and that you have a sound mind and that what you're doing is right. Um, I think a lot of people try to read between the lines too much mm-hmm. or feel like they need to interpret between the lines when what you and I are talking about right now, I receive as face value because I trust you wholeheartedly. And I think, I don't know why people don't approach life that way. And maybe it could be to my detriment, who knows? But I think being able to connect with someone authentically and also in, in a sense, connect with yourself authentically and just trusting that, that voice um, is so very important. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think so often in our culture, it's so much about external validation. Yeah. You know, so in cycling, this is, this is a wonderful metaphor. In cycling, I was trained by these two wonderful women in Toronto who would always talk about the bikes that we were riding didn't have the little monitors that told you RPM, wattage, time. Cadence. Yeah, ca- n- none of that, right? <laughs> yeah. They, they, they were, um, they, they moved from side to side. They're called real rider bikes. Oh, yeah. So yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. so the way that... Kim and Jen are their names. The way that they trained us yeah. was RPE, a rate of perceived exertion. exertion yeah. And so it was dialing into your body. So what feels like five out of 10 for me might not feel like five out of 10 for you. Yeah. What feels like seven out of 10 for me may not be like that for someone else. Yeah. And for me, it was like rate of perceived exertion in cycling class and in life. <laughs> like, you know, what do you... like? Yeah. Knowing that we perceive things differently mm. and just because your five out of ten is is different than mine doesn't dismiss anyone's five out of ten yeah. doesn't dismiss anyone's thoughts feeling experience right and you have to and and further probably even deeper than that you have to be so in tune that you can recognize your five yeah. out of ten yeah 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 you know and that's what i'm saying about getting getting in touch with my own voice is like being able to clear out the noise and trusting that what I'm, my gut feeling or yeah. whatever, whatever you want to call it is going to lead me in the right place. Yeah. Do you feel like your self-awareness has gone a long way since kind of this journey? Like, of, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I, I feel like if I'm going to take a silver lining mm-hmm. from the, the, the struggle of trying not to let, hearing loss define me, mm. it's going to be, I, I feel more in tune with myself. I feel 
even though that's still a work in progress, mm-hmm. but there's that awareness. So there's the body awareness from the dancing. It's like, I feel very in tune with my body. And there's this mind awareness that I have of knowing these are my tendencies. Mm-hmm. I know this is my trigger. If I do this, inevitably these thoughts. And now I feel like I know yeah. sometimes I'm going to go down this hole. So maybe that's time I should go for a run because I'll feel better. You right. know? It's just, it's, I'm getting to know this quirky side yeah. that I can't even believe I'm airing to the public on your <laughs> podcast. I'm getting to know this person, yeah. this side of me better over the last really, to be honest, moving to BC was a huge catalyst was for it? that. Yeah. It was reinventing yourself. I didn't know anyone professionally here. And, and I really had, it was me and Russ here. Yeah. And so I learned a lot about myself and then, and then all of this significant loss happened and I'm still learning. So it's, it's been, um, a huge lesson in self-awareness. Right. I love that. I yeah. love that. And like you said, you're very, you're, you're very uh, well-read and I think you take a lot from the things that you read as well. I know that we could have a whole nother conversation about every book that you've read. <laughs> but um, I, I imagine that that's probably a big, uh, probably a big, big part of your life as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. All right. What are you most proud of right now that most of us would not be aware of? Well, moving to Vancouver was, huge. was huge because I, I didn't want to come here. <laughs> you didn't, eh? No. Oh, my. I, I, I really loved... Um, living in downtown Toronto. Mm. There was this energy, there was this connection to my past, you know, cause I lived, right. not, I could walk to my dad's old building and I, I have identified myself as a Torontonian for <laughs> so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I still kind of feel like a Torontonian mm. living in, Out here. in BC. Gotcha. But, but, um, so yeah, so, so, so making the decision to come out here with Russ was huge on so many levels mostly because I couldn't believe that I actually did something so ballsy as to pick up and leave. Yeah. And we had only been dating for six months at the time. Wow. So it was a big, it was a big gamble. Right. Now, was it because he had like his job at taken him out? Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Good for you. So I feel like I came out here and I had no idea what I was going to do. And the really wonderful thing about coming out here was Russ said, it's an opportunity for you to reinvent yourself. So anything you've ever wanted to do, you can do it here. Right. And Clean I was slate. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I was teaching fitness classes on the side. So I thought maybe, maybe I'll, maybe I'll try and see what that's like full time. Yeah. Um, and then one thing led to another and I had so many incredible experiences here in Vancouver. Um, teaching classes, working for different companies, Pilates teacher training, like it's, and it's, and meeting, meeting people. Yeah, yeah. Meeting so many like-minded people, but then also people who are not like me, but learning from them. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like it's been, it's been one of those moments of like, if you ever needed an example that you can, you're going to be okay, the resiliency of the, of the human spirit right. in my life for me, I'm like, that was a big, that was a big example of like going into the unknown and, and coming out in one piece on the other Right, end. right. Yeah. Another TSN turning point. TSN turning point. <laughs> I freaking love it. Yes. All right. Okay, so what are you most excited about right now, would you say? Um, well, this is not a deep thought by any means, but I'm really <laughs> excited for my half irons this year. What? That's perfectly valid. Why wouldn't yeah. you be? I don't blame you. I feel like last year, 
was going to, I had so many athletic goals last year and the ankle injury kind of derailed that. And so I learned so much in the rehab process and I'm so excited to put all that to work, put that into use and to see what I'm capable of. Because Mm. my my half iron in 2017 was brutal (laughs) in a word. I cried (laughs) when I finished it. it. And and not because I finished, but I was so disappointed in myself. It was bizarre. Right. Because Russ was so confused. He was like, Dude, you just crushed the half iron man. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, oh, I didn't do I didn't do well in the swim and I didn't do well in the Yeah. Anyways. So I feel like I'm I'm armed with better tools now. Yeah. So I'm excited to see just what I'm capable oh, of. I love that. And so am I. Now mm-hmm. that you now that I know when these are, I'm gonna check in on you on Please I do. Know what's going on. Right? <laughs> yes. Ask me if I've gone for my run. <laughs> Jess, come on now. Yes. You probably have, but I, I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll check in on you. All right, I got a, a few easy ones for you. One worders. How do you like your eggs? I don't like eggs. Ah. <laughs> okay. That's it. Good answer. I, I do like eggs, but I don't eat them. Okay. Winter, spring, summer, or fall? Winter. Love it. So right now, you're winter. When, when, what month were you born in? September. Okay. So uh, fall, but you like the winter activities? Winter. What is it about winter? I love winter. The, the, the skiing, being out in bite your face cold. <laughs> like from Ontario. Yeah. It, it's like... It's bite your face cold, but the sun is out, and right. then you go inside, and you sit in front of the fire with your own cozy blanket. Ah, it's 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 that experience of yes. just warming up. I love that. Okay, yeah. I'm a summer baby myself. So, <laughs> squat, bench, or deadlift? Squat all the way. All the way. Okay. No context to the next one. Fast or slow? Slow. Okay. Sweet or savory? Now savory. <laughs> Was it sweet before? It was. Really? Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Crunchy or smooth? Smooth. Yes. All right, yes. you're a smooth team. You get that stuff caught in your teeth if it's crunchy. Exactly, <laughs> you see? And we had this big conversation about it again yesterday with family and stuff. Smooth is the way to go. Yes. Peanut buttery smooth. All right. <laughs> so before we get to our three final questions that I have for you, um, where can people find you, whether it's social media or wherever people want to get in touch with you, learn more about... Um, hearing and things like that. How can people get, uh, find you? On Instagram. Okay. My handle is Bowman Jess. Okay. So you can find me on Instagram. Uh, I am at Club Pilates Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and okay. I sub there, the South Surrey Club Pilates location. Okay. Um, and then if you just want to randomly run into me, you could probably <laughs> go to the Grandview Aquatic Center or Orange ah, Theory. <laughs> there you go. Because I'm either at one of those places working out. Love it. All right. Yeah. So I'm going to have some links in the show notes again with uh, some of the resources that you mentioned and uh, ways to find you on social media. And for stuff. sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. So if you had the world's attention for 30 seconds right now on this podcast, which you likely do, what would you say? Um, I have a few things that I would like to say. All right. So I would say we need to be... We need to be super conscious about what we're doing with the environment. Mm. So now is the time. Uh, so let's let's start looking at those small daily acts, mm. and and knowing that those small daily things add up over time. Especially if it's you and me, and mm. then it's ten people you know and ten people I know and whatnot. Right. So that's the first thing. Okay. And I think the biggest thing is stop looking for external validation. Mm. You know. You know everything you need to know. You have everything you need inside. Yeah. And trust yourself. Go for it. I love that. Yeah. Love it. 
So we chatted about this one a little bit beforehand. Um, if someone could ask you one question that you wish you could be asked, that even myself that I haven't asked you now or anyone else has ever asked you, what would that question be? So now I, have to, I had a question, but now <laughs> I'm second guessing it. <laughs> but the question that I originally yeah. thought of was why do you eat the way that you do? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Because. What would your answer be to that question? Well, I eat this way because I'm trying to help the environment. So oh, I'm trying okay. to transition to a more plant-based, plant-forward way of eating mm. after seeing things like cowspiracy and whatnot. Right. It was eye-opening. Food ink. Food ink. Yeah. <laughs> Very eye-opening for me. And if we can if we can eat more plants and less, they have less packaging. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. <laughs> you know, yeah. certain practices in animal agriculture mm. are not very good. Right. Um, so I would love for someone to ask me why I eat this way. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. No, I love that. Because I think, I think food is very, very emotional. Mm. And you ask someone about food, there's so many different connotations to that it's so right? true yeah it's a very big question that could go in so many different ways <laughs> yes <laughs> but that's interesting so i asked you about eggs and now i understand why yes right <laughs> yeah um all right before we get to our final question uh, i want to acknowledge you first of all for one being here uh and uh, sharing your story with me um when i thought about talking to you and having you on the podcast um i already knew uh what kind of genuine authentic person you were and um i just wanted the world to hear who you are because I feel like uh, we need to hear more of these kind of stories in the world um, a message of positivity and um, you know uh, overcoming uh, adversity and um, making significant changes and just being a light in the world so I appreciate you for being here and sharing your story today thank you so much <laughs> <laughs> all right so here's your final question what is your definition of living your best and fittest life I feel like there's, there's the typical answers. Mm. Get your eight hours of sleep, <laughs> eat well, yeah. exercise. Yeah. And all of that is good. Mm -hmm. You, you want to train your body for life. You want to train your body to, to be able to go for the long haul. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I would also say sound mind mm. is going to help you. Okay. Because another quote from Joseph Pilates, it is the mind itself that trains the body. Mm. And I do believe that you hear a lot of people, again, buzzword, mind-body connection. Yeah. And, and I feel like there is some truth to that. And I think that now we're living in a time where a lot of people are realizing what's going on upstairs is affecting everything else. Oh my gosh, There's yes. the brain-gut connection. Okay. There is all of that. So I would say... Go to the gym, mm. get your sleep, but let's be mindful, whether yeah. it's through breath work, whether it's through meditation, whether it's through just taking a few moments to just be quiet right. in the day. Right. Um, so I feel like living my fittest, fullest life is doing all the things that I know I'm supposed to do. But then also, again, continuing to work on fine-tuning my mind, mm. fine-tuning my psyche, fine-tuning all of the, 
not worrying as much, managing anxiety or, or concern for the what ifs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, worst yeah. case scenario. Like right. sweat the small stuff in a healthy way the yeah. way Chris Hadfield said that right. we should. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, I I feel like that's a long rambling answer no. to your question. It's but it's a very I, complete thorough answer. Yeah, I just I just feel like there was more to fitness yeah. than just a six pack. Yes. And Oh my goodness, yes. Ripped shoulders and, yeah. you know. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm glad that you answered it that way and you said it exactly. Um, the name of the podcast, the name of my personal training about it's called Fit United. But I've always believed that fitness is not just physical. Mm -hmm. It's psychological, it's mental, it's financial fitness. It's all of these things in your life, social fitness. Um, fitness is not just about what you do in the gym. It's everything in life. And that's why I bring people like you who can share their story and share your level or your definition of fitness because I feel like it's way more than what, like you said, six pack or anything else. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, Thank you, Jess, for being me. here. Thank you for being here. <laughs> I love it. All right. All right, everybody. That is my interview with Jessica Bowman. She opened up about the devastating effects of prolonged and continued exposure to loud music, and it was very enlightening to me how easily we take our hearing for granted. She's definitely put things into perspective and shared how easy it also can be for all of us to mitigate the negative effects of loud music simply by just listening at a lower volume that you're used to and even perhaps working out without music uh, every once in a while. I also love how she framed our focus on our own fitness journeys as something we should be seeking our own intrinsic motivators uh, rather than becoming dependent on extrinsic factors like music, uh, the place we exercise, or even the people we exercise with. Okay, Fit United fam, this is my unique way of serving you guys, and it does not require you to be sitting at your phone, scrolling up and down mindlessly. You can listen on the go while you're commuting or during your working out, walking the dog, whatever. Um, I love communicating and being able to talk and listen to you guys, and that's what gets me fired up every day. So with that in mind, if you have any topic suggestions for the podcast or have any questions or comments, please send me a message on Facebook, facebook.com slash fitunited.show, on Instagram at kevingreen.fitness or at fitunited.show, or on our website, fitunited.show. You can now listen to and download the podcast directly on the website. Pretty awesome. So also, please, guys, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And please, please, please leave me a rating and a review. This is how I know that I'm bringing value to you guys and how I can continue to do so and serving you in the best way that I can. If you found my conversation with Jessica helpful, insightful, powerful, if this episode spoke to you or, you know, somebody who would appreciate hearing my conversation with Jess, please share it. I believe sharing these lessons we learn from one another is the best way to always be improving one day at a time. And lastly, guys, I just want to remind you, please join the Fit United podcast VIP. My goal for creating a VIP group is to connect all of us together on a deeper level. All you got to do is text fitness to 69922 and you and I will be able to connect by text. As part of this VIP community, I will give you access to exclusive content that is reserved just for you in the VIP. As content rolls out, you'll know about it first and be able to enter giveaways and things before anyone else. Don't worry, guys. I promise to keep the text to a minimum, just enough for you and I to stay connected. All right, guys. Kevin here signing out. I will see you all on the next one.